Brown celebrated three championships in seven years, and rarely has someone so tough played so pivotal a part. McCarty draws, McCarty in, McCarty snaps! A magnificent goal! Darren McCarty! Show that play. Lariano, Shanahan, back there it is! The Red Wings have defeated Colorado! Darren McCarty! Here's a break at center! I love you, but you're a mess. I, I am a mess. I'm a work in progress, I guess you could say. I love that reminder every Wednesday. Yes, it is Wednesday. If you are tuning to us out there, you are on Grind Time with Darren McCarty. I am Darren McCarty. It is July 17th. Perry, do you believe that? No, I can't believe it. I mean, Fine. July 17th. And 7.08, I'm taking 7.08 p.m. McCool as the official time. So this work in progress, eh, roughly a few minutes late. Bam Bam's here. How you doing, Bam Bam? Golfing was good. Said you played, uh, shot your best round, so you're riding pretty high. Um, also, too, if uh, guys out there, you don't pay your debts to Bam Bam, DMAC might show up on your doorstep, just, <laughs> just saying. Uh, as always, Perry Vellucci, my co-host and i did not stutter folks because perry actually has had a very very good week very good couple weeks as a co-host um uh just a little update uh and a, a hello to all my friends up at torch lake sellers was up there uh, aaron and i were up there meeting um chad and mike and the whole family and everybody up there but on the way home dmac did what he does and he blew up another van. <laughs> so it took me nine hours to get home from uh, Torch Lake on Saturday night. I got home at like 7-something in the morning. Thank God Cheryl, my lovely wife, was in Clare. So I made it to Harrison 20 miles out. But uh, the man van's dead. So we're, we'll have a new vehicle next week. So. New ride. Yeah. So, so in saying that, I played and catch uh, Sparky's outing on Monday at Meadowbrook. Thank you, Jimmy Hughes and everybody. 32 years now. Catch a Sparky Anderson uh, Foundation has been going, and uh, it was a beautiful day. The golf wasn't that good, but I had a great group to play with. Uh, even uh, met a neighbor of mine, played with him, Jason Timms. So Jason, uh, he had the luxury of driving me home. Just Perry had the luxury of driving me there because I had no vehicle. So Perry, I will be nice today. Thank you for joining me. And, dude, you came through big because uh, I don't. it doesn't matter that – it's a blood relation, and it's family. You can go to that card. I don't really take stats. The fact that you brought in the AHL Coach of the Year and the defending Calder Cup champion coach, Mr. Mike Vellucci, thank you, Perry. You get top-notch for that. Yeah, thanks. Hi. How you doing there, Mike? <laughs> Good. And how you doing? Congratulations. Thank you. Obviously, um, I mean, every everybody from around here, from, from your days coaching the Plymouth Whalers and then uh, moving on up into the AHL, my first question for you, um, because you won in Plymouth and you won in the AHL, so that's two different ranks. Do they compare? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't think so because I, after this one, I you know it was relief. You know, in the American League, we won and it was great. When we won in the OHL, we had to go to the Memorial Cup, and I was already moving on to that. We were gone to the Memorial Cup two days later, so you didn't really celebrate. You had to worry about flights and all that. And then we lost in the semifinals. So I really didn't feel that year we went in the OHL that we won anything. Right. Which kind of sucks, right? I mean, you go all that way, you grind it out for all that time, 
and then you don't win the Memorial Cup, you feel like you didn't win anything. So that was difficult. But this was unbelievable this this year, this uh, winning this. I told myself when we won, I was going to let loose. You know, you're the coach, you're trying to be uptight and ha- have everything intact. And, uh, you know, I let loose. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, but that's because pretty much, um, obviously, uh, growing up uh, in the area, growing up uh, with, uh, we talk about your family a lot on this show because, uh, you know, with Grind Time with Darren McCarty and obviously Radio for One Studios, Detroit cast, Mike Walters, who was a neighbor of yours, yeah. like, you, like you said, hey, I haven't seen you since you had your ponytail, you little puke. <laughs> I, might, I might add to the little puke part. You're a lot nicer than I am. But, uh, um, you know, growing up in this area and, uh you know, you know, playing hockey. Uh, you and I have a lot of uh, similarities hockey-wise because we both uh, played for the Belleville Bulls. Um, you were a few years earlier than mine, but what's uh, like starting off as the hockey player coming out of this area? What do you remember the most that you took with you, not only first off as a player? Uh, well, I, I, what I remember most is, you know, I grew up uh, playing for the first CompuWare sponsored team, and I don't even know what year it was, to be honest with you. We were Pee Wee uh, Majors, and it was Ali Frady, Kevin Hatcher, and a bunch of guys like that, Pat LaFontaine and Alfie Turcotte. And so a lot of good guys, a lot of good Americans that not many people gave much respect to. And none of the college talks to us. So everybody went to major junior. But, you know, it was uh, it was great. The hockey was great here. There was Little Caesars, Paddock Pools, CompuWare. There was a lot of good hockey teams. And the hockey was great. And uh, um, it was it was difficult to go away to, you know, to Belleville as a 16-year-old. But uh, – uh, leaving a, a big family and everything, but uh, it was well worth it. Yeah, it was well worth it. Now, now speaking, like, obviously, uh, being uh, Belleville, there's no, if, so anybody who's, um knows about the OHL, just like there's no more Plymouth Whalers, there's no more Belleville Bulls. Uh, Plymouth went to Saginaw and Belleville went to Hamilton. But, uh, see, you're a defenseman back in the day, and you could skate. Now, can you explain to people, because they hear from me bitching and moaning all the time how big the ice surface was, 200 by 100, but for a, for me, a plugger that couldn't skate, can you please express to them that I'm not exaggerating that it was a lot different than what we grew up playing, even around, even southern Ontario, even in Michigan, the, the ice rinks? Yeah, they have no idea how big that rink was. It was huge, and you know, as a defenseman, I, I thought it was a little bit easier because I just went from the blue line to the post and let the forward go outside as far as he could go, right? Because it's 200 feet. And, uh, uh, but as when we would go in the corner, it was so hard for to play defense because a guy makes one move and they're already to the net. But you don't realize how big it is until you get one of Ma- uh, Mav's bags, you know, skates at the end. <laughs> he liked those sideboards, you know. And you get up to 12 and you're looking for the bucket, and you have no idea how big the Olympic size is until you get one of those bags. That's yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and uh, Mike said the name Mav, which to, to him and I, to me, uh, is Larry Mavity. And Larry Mavity is uh, one of the staples in my mind when I think of old-school OHL. When I think of you, Mike, um, it's you're the... The, I guess you're more old school, but not you're like in the middle, right? You're 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 out of their mold, and and who I mean is Larry Mavity, who was a man who talked like this, and he had cowboy boots on, and and seriously, he was like would pure intimidation. Were you? And this is back in the '80s, and even I was played with for him at the end of the '80s, but like. You like when he said he would punch you, like like threaten you physically. You felt threatened physically. That's the way it was back in the day. That's him, the way it was. Him, Bert Templeton oh, yeah. in North Bay, and Brian Kilroy. Yeah, right, Killer. Now, 
Now, as a player, and I've experienced those bag skates also, I, w- I will also say as far as uh, Larry Mavity was the the one for my last year junior when, you know, I won the player of the year and scored all the goals. I mean, I was either in the penalty box or on the ice. So it was, <laughs> it was one of those, I love the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he's, he's one that believed in me. And that's as, as a coach, maybe, um, you know, playing like that. So you brought up bag skate as a player, about the 12th one's a puke. Now as a coach, how does your mindset, because there's obviously a purpose when you, you're going to, and, and when you're younger, you don't realize it. You could be for training or whatever, but you, you're trying to make a purpose. So on a coaching aspect, do you ever take into account the player aspect? Oh like, yeah, for like, sure. Like oh, how yeah. you were. <laughs> oh yeah, without a doubt. See, but that's, but that's, but that's more, that's more new school thinking. Yeah, it hundred like, percent. And that's what I, what I think is why of your success. And I think that, you know, you've been coaching how long? 15 no longer than that, 20 some 20 years. 20-some years uh, is the way you to evolve. Yeah, you have to because I used to give those bag skates when I first started coaching because it's just the way it was, and that's the way you would you would do it. I remember making guys come back. We were, I was coaching the Tier 2 when we were in Sault Ste. Marie, and it wasn't because we lost a little bit, but they had a food fight and you know in the hotel or whatever for the meal. So, and so five and a half hours, it's cold. We got back at Oak Park Ice Rink at 5.30 in the morning, and I looked at the one kid, Wojcik, and I said, he, he also worked at the rink. I said, get that Zamboni fired up. We're going to have a little bag skate. And that equipment was cold. But you can't do that anymore. That doesn't Oh, dude, doesn't you learned that from math. Yeah, you oh, yeah. I got, we oh, had yeah. a couple of those, like, odd, oh, dude, that, that is total junior. Mav, Mav was the best. Mav was pure intimidation. You, so, he, you know, as X and O's, he didn't have much of it. We went. To, I went to the finals with him against Guelph, against Chase on Steam, and that we lost in game See, six. But against you had Guelph. all the – but you guys had a – yeah, had Charlie had, Moore. We had Charlie Moore. was Dude, my favorite. Like, Darren Moxham. Darren Moxham. Oh, pound for pound. Him. Pound for pound, there is no – like, he was unbelievable. Darren Moxham, Todd – Todd Hawkins. Todd Hawkins. Todd Hawkins won. Brian punch. Marchman. Mush, Mush. Mush. Brian Chapman. I don't know if anybody Chappie, remember Chappie. I, Chappie. Mush was my partner. Mush and was your partner. Yeah, Mush was my partner. And he'd go for that big hit and miss it. And they come down on a three on one. And Mav, I come back to the bench. They score. Mav would be yelling at me. I said, well, the kid missed the, you know, missed the big hits. A three on one. What do you want me to do? I don't care. No, it's, it's your simple responsibility. That's your, that's it. You're the 19 year old. You're the 19 year old. That's exactly. But every time you go, Matt was pure intimidation. You go by his office. Where do you want to go? It means he's going to trade you. Yeah. You just run as fast as you can by his <laughs> office. That's that's exactly what he would say every time. I don't want to go anywhere, Matt. So so you know, fast forward, right? So you've you you start your coach. Um, the cop you were in the North American, and then yeah. you moved to the Plymouth, and then you're coaching in the AHL, and now. Obviously, coming off of, of the Calder Cup trophy, now um, you signed a new deal with Wilkes Barrett Stratton, yep. which yep. is the Pittsburgh, yeah. which is Pittsburgh's farm team. Um, the first question I want to ask you is over the, the twenty four years, and I, I think this the survival and what makes the great coaches now because the, the technology is so much more involved. What, what, what do I mean by that? Well, guys, Scotty Bowman's power play and penalty. Killing meetings were combined video session of three minutes, yeah. and and that's two minutes. Somebody trying to figure out how to turn on the tape, right? When I won in '08 with Mike Babcock coming back, there was a thirty-minute video, and and it was like X's and O's. That's why I say about Babcock, the X's and O's in the practice are the best. I question his bench skills and his play, but but there's something too that you have to evolve, and 
you were talking about Mav that coached you back in the 80s, you know, to you going into a new organization, obviously with Jimmy Rutherford there, you have a relationship with him, but um, where, where are you at as far as in your coaching, obviously excited to do this, but the evolution and what you've had to, you can't bag skate. I no, want you have people to, to understand. Yeah. yeah. And understand. I want people to understand that not only just the players have changed. And, and so when I complain about the game, which I, I have to say I don't complain about the finals because the finals was old school. St. Louis won because they put their will on Boston and then got good goaltending in the first period. That's pretty yeah, much right. Yeah, it. Yeah. But but the evolution of coaching has changed too. And yeah. you're, you are in the – I'm looking at your stats and, and knowing it, and you're in the middle of it. So Yeah, I think every, everything's got to evolve, especially the coaching, because you know, we can go into practices, and you're talking about videos. Well, I, I've changed. Everybody went from no video to, I think, too long, personally. Now, I, my attention span's like this, so right? So it's small. So what do I expect from my players? So my video sessions are no more than five minutes. Zero. That's it. It can't be more than five minutes. So if I can't get my point across in five minutes, it's my fault. And practices are short. They're hard, they're fast, but they're short. I don't stand and draw pictures on the board and say, this is where I want you to go, here or there. Nobody's listening anyways. So bang it out. Boom, boom, boom. Half hour, you're done. Get in the weight room, get out of there. And I think that's why we won this year personally is because we kept everything short and sweet. And we played hard, we practiced hard, but we got out of there. And there was no delays. Nobody's sitting around, you know, going, oh, my God, what is he talking about today? You know, nobody wants to sit around and, and listen to the coaches blab on and on and on. They're going to get what they need, and they're going to get in and get out. And I think we did that to, to a T this year, and it was one of the best things and uh, that we did. All right, explain to uh, listeners at home, uh, A, what a bag skate is, but the difference between a bag skate in 1985 and 2019. <laughs> As a coach. So yeah. first explain what a bag skate is if, if people don't know what a bag well, skate is. Well, a bag skate's a real hard skate where, where there's no pucks. And, you know, for, we call it sideboards where you go from one uh, half uh, one side to the other side and over and back is one. So we would get up to 12. So you, and, But you would climb. You go one, over and back is one. Then over and back, over and back is two. And they call it a bag skate because your balls are in the bottom. They're on the ice. And when you're talking about puking. Yeah. So you put a bucket. Coaches would put a bucket in center ice. And and sometimes they're just waiting for one guy to do it. So we would talk on the, as a player, we'd talk on the side. Hey, can you puke? Yeah, I eat enough, you know, for lunch. <laughs> so you get over there. Yeah, I'm hung over yeah, enough. Exactly. You know, like... Yeah, so that's exactly what it was. But that's a bag skate. But you can't do that anymore. So now a, a bag skate, now would be doing three laps. I mean, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it, but... Our hard, a hard practice. We would go hard. Like our practices are way harder than yeah. they were before. And you, and you played for Mav. How long would he do two-on-one sometimes? Probably would say to Craig Billington, I'd say, Biller, just let one in so we can go to a different <laughs> drill here. Because he wouldn't go. He well, wouldn't only had four drills. drills in his back. It's, it's all he had to be. Same thing. But one on ones, two on ones, three on twos, you're off the ice. But the two on ones would go forever. So we used to make bets in the locker room, too. Everybody throw in a couple bucks and say, all right, well, is it seven minutes? Is it 10 minutes? Depends on what the goalies, how, how the goalie felt that day or if the D wanted to break it up. So tell, um, tell me this uh, on this <laughs> subject. Because the one thing, if you have any math, so. I remember the one we used to have this little TV, like little nineteen inch, like two in the in the room, and Mav's whole thing is like, the minute that clock turned to whatever time he said be on the ice, everybody had to be on the ice, and it was back in the day, 
where wrestling was on and we were supposed to be out and, and we forgot that it it time lapsed over like a couple minutes so about five of us walked out there like a minute after and he walked into that dressing room he ripped that tv out of the wall oh, yeah. threw it down the hallway and bag skated us for 30 minutes for oh yeah he matt, matt was great so matt had default uh, the fake teeth oh, right yeah. so that, that when you're a rookie they come in they said listen when he comes in between periods and starts screaming put your head down and by the way might want to keep your helmet on and uh <laughs> so i said why why do i gotta look down well he came in one time rah, 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 and his teeth come popped out and so everybody started laughing and then he just got madder and madder by the minute <laughs> right. so so it was like all right now i understand why to keep my head down no he was he was great i love the guy i talk to him still all the time he's yeah. a good guy good man uh, tough as nails, but but a big teddy bear, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and it does, and you realize, you know, like that's like, do, are there some of the things, uh, probably some of the things that you don't don't want to do, but there's definitely things that you learn back as a player that you apply today, sort of like, you know, coaching. You're, if you're always learning, like you said. To- well, you know, you were saying it earlier, Matt, and how he did so well with you and everybody else. Mav never took the easy way. He took the hard way. He always brought in guys that maybe got in trouble somewhere else or didn't do something there, or I don't want to say a misfit, but like right. our teams were always different guys coming together. And he would make trades, and then they would not. Let's say they put fifty points up in Hamilton. They come to us, they put up one hundred and twenty-five points. He knew how to manage people, really. Absolutely. And that's that the best way to say it is, it, it, even if you felt different, he made you feel a part of the team. And he was awesome at it. And that's, I, if anything, I learned from him was how to deal with different kind of people. Like Everybody's not the same, so why would you try to uh, treat them the same? And he treated everybody differently as, from, as far as it didn't matter if you fit in, he was going to help you fit in. You know what's unbelievable about that? Because that's what I say about Scotty Bowman, too. And and you know what, like the the guys that along the way that have had the most influence in my life, you know, from younger, you know, I go back to Max Rafool to Mike Clem, you know, to Brian Drum to Larry Mavity to Scotty Bowman. But it was you know when you learn different things, it's you. Scotty does the same thing, and the, the guys that are successful you respect the most is because they teach you that everybody's not the same, yeah. and how do well, how do I push these buttons, and you know like. Scotty was the greatest at that because now now you're no you're more known as a players coach right which which and to explain that to people what's well what's a players coach it means it, it's it's like having the guy that you don't so you as a player I don't want to let down it's a, the guy that you respect that you want to play hard cuz you know that if that he would do everything in his power to make you successful no ulterior motives in that now Scotty had now there's there's that respect where you have to keep it on that level where Scotty had the annoying ability, and I don't know you could tell me if many coaches do, where they can make themselves the villain, but they don't lose the respect. It's the same it's it's like I fuck it. I I don't like what he's doing. I don't I hate what he's doing, but God, he's smarter than me, and I know that uh you know, I know that five moves down the road we're probably playing for a championship, so I'm gonna suck it up, but I don't lose the respect. You know, some of the other Maybe coaches. Maybe all the Stanley Cups uh, rings that he has that uh, helps that, right? <laughs> but you know you, I mean? so, 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 and that's a question that goes to you moving into a new organization, right? Uh, yeah. A cultured organization. Uh, my opinion when I say culture is exactly what we have here in Detroit with Stevie coming back. 
you have culture over there in championships. You know, you have yeah. Jimmy Rutherford, you know, Mike Sullivan's one. You obviously got Sid, you got yeah. Malkin. How, how about the minor league team that you're going in to take over talent-wise? Yeah, they're, they're good. Uh, um, Pittsburgh's been near the top every year, so they don't draft very high, right? So, right. Uh, well, we ran into that. Yeah, same that, thing in it's Detroit. The Detroit. It's the same thing, and so, but it's uh, it's a good. It's an older team. They they pack it in every night. Uh, they missed the playoffs last year, the first time I think in sixteen years. So they're hungry. They haven't never won a championship, so uh, they're hungry, and uh, that's part of the reason I went there and uh, that they brought me there. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a good team. It's a, a, a great place to to play and a great place to coach so when when you have an opportunity right um where you know you're a free you're a free agent as a coach so to speak and you get to d- decide hey what what do i want to do can you ex- can you say what, what were some of the i guess determining factors to to make this decision because for me as an outsider looking in and watch your career and stuff like that i would i would think that you would be on a short list and i've said it before for nhl jobs and um is there which doesn't mean you know obviously which also means that somebody told me once chase management not talent which means you get in the right spot and you do you that will come you know that seems to me as your mentality it's to put yourself in the best position to be the best coach, is yes. that right? No, that's right. Yeah, I mean, and then you try to go where the uh, good people are, you know. And uh, Jimmy Rutherford, I've worked with Jimmy for a long time. He was the first one to hire me, whatever, twenty-seven years ago. But he's a good person. He's a winner. You want to go where winners are. They treat everybody the, uh, outstanding in the organization. Wilkes-Barre is a great place to to coach. They do everything first class. I mean, I'm here. You know, in the minors, we have a dad's trip. You know, I mean, they were going That's to New awesome. York City. It's awesome. Right. We, you know, right. I've never you had you, that before. Not, on, not in the minors. No, and, not in the minors. We have a, they have their own chef that goes on the road for the minors. So, See, but you that, know, they, they do everything the right way. They treat people the right way. They, they're winners. They want to win. And uh, so I, it was an easy decision for me. You know, I had a, a few choices, obviously, and uh, but I was very comfortable with Jimmy. He swooped in at the last minute and uh, and beat the other offers and, uh, and, and just from being familiar with them and trusting him uh like i have you know my whole career yeah well that has that has to say something now because it's it's the perspective i guess with the, the age that we're at we're you know 15 10 15 years ago you don't make that decision so it's to me i see it like build building the foundation and what will be will be no matter what but going into this is that dude they got a chef in the minors i know i couldn't <laughs> wait, 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 dude, yeah, that, wait hold on yeah. That that people Isn't that crazy. Wait, can like can somebody else like elaborate <laughs> on having this? First of all, okay, when I played and I won four cups, okay, and I would say up until I know for a fact through the first two or three, if you look at our dressing room from when we celebrated, I mean we were begging. I mean Leslie would make us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, or <laughs> I'd be over there fighting for a piece of pizza in the media room. Yeah. You know, t- to now, like I mean, it's like it's I would breakfast, I'd lunch, live, dinner. I would live at the rink. Yeah, I know. No, no, I mean the 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 if I played, <laughs> the best thing would be sign me to a contract at twenty one and lock me in the back room, which it's, is fine. Let me lock me in the dressing room. I'd be fine. But the never hungry league is what they call it now. You're 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 always fed. You haven't heard that? Well, never just, hungry league. No, they talk about it that. all the time. Oh. It's always eaten. But what, what was funny was we talked about my first year pro after leaving Belva, I went to Salt Lake City. You know what my pregame was? 
ramen. Taco, Taco Bell. Taco <laughs> Bell. See, that's... Number five, no tomatoes, no green onions, man. Old <laughs> onions. That was my pregame. Nobody ever told us what to eat back then. No, dude. That's... I never heard chicken and pasta. Well, and that goes back to the bag skate, sort of like back in... The, but but coaches would do that as a, as a trainer to get guys in shape because they don't spend as much time in the gym. Like, yeah. what's the biggest thing you've noticed being around the game um, in the players these days it's all the gym everybody's in the gym i mean you got and you know they have their personal coaches they have a skating coach they have a skills coach they have the weight trainer they have the nutritionist it's unbelievable but you know everybody's doing it so that every the skill level has gone off the charts it's it's amazing but but what about the hockey sense you know there's some really good hockey sense and uh, guys, but it's not horrible. It's not as bad as it, they're not elite like uh, I would say it was in the in the past. But because you had to be, dude, and and my thing, well, you is, had to be because if you couldn't skate or you couldn't do this, well, you had to make but up it, with something. But to survive, you you had to be smart because it was a different game. It's like you're swimming with sharks. Oh yeah, for you're, sure. It's like nowadays the game is played in fresh water, no piranhas. No, like it's played in the Great Lakes. Right, yeah, we no, played it right. in the oceans. In junior, we played it in the Bering Sea. Right, <laughs> no, you know, I'm just saying, like, like in the Arctic tundra, wherever yeah. the most sharks are. I but, fought that Scott Metcalf three times before warmups even start, in warmups before the game started. See, Kingston, Belleville. I mean, three times. <laughs> How do you do that? No penalties, no refs. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. That's the put it this. That's but yeah. that's the whole. Oh, you know the hardest thing about coaching today is teaching them what Mav taught us. And that one thing is like when the guy goes to hit you, you get your stick up and have him eat a Titan. Right. Right? And he already did it. And he but you can't. Do you that. tell a guy now, it's a, you know, he's gone for life. Oh, yeah. You know, so now that's well, the hardest Well, what blows part. me away is how do you deal with this as a coach? Because, and it's the same in football and it's the same in hockey. Like, everything's softer. But when, when I grew up, I was taught, if you go through the middle of the ice with your head down and you get lit up, you could be mad at one other person other than yourself, stupid, and it might be the D-man that threw you the suicide pass, but whatever else. Nowadays, the guy who hits you clean is, you know, is the guilty party, gets yeah. suspended. You know, today, you know, the swimming with sharks and swimming in a fresh water, that's because, you know, in the surviving, what I mean is because you had to protect your head, which meant you were... On the you were fair game. You mentioned yeah. junior in warmups. You had to back up what you had. Nowadays, your old lady's gonna get mad. No, at you but you were only fine. Yeah, you'd only had to be told told that one time to keep your head up, and then if you didn't listen, you got clobbered. And from then on, you kept your head up, right? Absolutely, yeah. exactly. It's so the same. It's the lesson. same thing as I got beat once, like growing up. I never did that again. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, you guys grew up yeah. in family, all the yeah. brothers and stuff. Oh, like we didn't that. beat each other up at all. No, I, uh, no, I mean, <laughs> we weren't competitive. Or well, Perry else. didn't. <laughs> I, I, I had to go I'm, to that. Uh, no, no, you were dying too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I've been staying quiet <laughs> yeah. the whole damn time. <laughs> hey, Perry, but you're the diplomat, bro. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. you need the diplomat yeah. because look at the size of these, right? Yeah. You know, you got. Uh, you got the ultra talented. Perry He's, broke our parents for us. Was <laughs> I, did, I yeah. never got in trouble. <laughs> Perry no, broke our we, parents. Don't worry, for us. we hear about it. We we, uh, we hear about all the time. Oldest. He's the oldest. I, he he he. he <laughs> after him, they just said, "Whatever you guys want to do, you guys are good to go." Now speaking, uh, I sort of segued with the head down thing into uh, you know 
a, a guy that I really want to ask you about, um, Eric Lindros. So the great 88, um, uh, because you guys and your family, when he, uh, how old was he? He was 16. 16. Yeah, so can saying. you explain Eric, now Eric Lindros, who, who used to be the captain of the Flyers, um, he played on Legion of Doom. Yep, same line. The grind line shut down in uh, 97 Cup Finals. Yes. You know I send Eric a Christmas card every year because he <laughs> scored that goal with 11 seconds left to make my goal the game winner. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he gets my first Christmas was card. Was he on the ice when you walked the D there, the toe drag? I don't know if he was. <laughs> that was Dean and Bud. Michelle Petit high stick me in the eye, but that was the best black eye I ever got. <laughs> but uh, talk about Eric Lindros because I tried to explain to somebody, like, See, Austin Matthews is, is like the size and sort of the smoothness. Austin Matthews, who plays in Toronto. Um, but Not the brute. Not the brute. Yeah, Can you explain? Yeah. like, Because there is not been the kid, and uh, like Eric Lindros, and I'm the first one to say, well, there's always somebody bigger and badder because you don't learn a yeah. small thing with skating with your head up. And you can do that when you look down and the kids are smaller than you and they can't hurt you, but then you meet a guy named Scott Stevens and next thing you know, there's always somebody. Vladimir Konstantinov. Yeah. I remember two stories about Eric. First, I remember I was playing, I think it was in Salt Lake City that year, my first year pro, and my mom had called and said, yeah, we got some 16-year-old kids supposed to be the best in the world coming and staying at our house to play for the CompuWare team. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, 16, how good is he? And I walked in the door. He's six foot four, 225 at that time. You know, I'm like, was it Christmas? Yeah. Were you like, exactly. were you like all right, I'm who like, got me to Christmas? Holy game? cow, he's huge, you know. And, and he was a he was a really good, really, really good guy. Like, but he was a brute, man. Like, one of the toughest, toughest guys I've seen at a 16 year old. And the other story was, it was, uh, my contract was ending with Hartford, and I thought I was going to sign with the Rangers, and we had the same agent. And uh, he, Eric was just turning 18, and uh, he was at the house, and uh, he got a call, and it was my agent. And I'm like, hey, Rick, how's it going? He's like, uh, yeah, is Eric there? I'm like, hey, Rick, it's me, Mike. No, is Eric there? I'm like, wow, okay, I guess I don't have a deal. So Eric comes to the phone. He answers the phone. He comes back, sits down in the family room. I said, what was that all about? He goes, oh, I just got invited to the World Cup as an 18-year-old, right? And I've said, I'm like, ah, oh, well, you're not going to make that. I mean, they got Gretzky, Messier, Eisenberg, Lemieux. Savard, Lemieux. He goes, oh, I'll be. I don't think they had Eisenman. No, but they, but oh, he was, right. no, but he said, Eric goes, I'm going to beat out Eisenman and Savard, and I'll, I'm thinking, you're crazy. And Keenan was the coach, and, and lo and behold, he made that team. So I, I wouldn't say he dreamt big, but he th- had big thoughts and obviously a hell of a player. And uh, as an 18-year-old to play on that team was, was pretty impressive. No, it is, and um, you know he was a man child because we played against him in Oshawa and it took two of us to knock him down, and you just knew he was going to be that good. It's just unfortunate, you know. My my whole thing is is, and he's such a good guy that you know you hope with all these concussions and stuff going on that that you know he's able. Him and Brett, his brother, also yep. too, both ran into it. So, you know, that's a, one of those things that happens in sports that you know careers get cut short in such a physical physical game and that's you know one of the things you know what speaking of mike i don't know if you know this guy i got on the line right now but he knows nothing about physical hockey he's high and wide down the wing missing that all the time he does know your games. he See, scouted hey. you he scouted you meltdown yeah, yeah he used to skate been... over at usa rank there in the early mornings i get into work i watch him on the ice there uh figure skating a little bit but uh, <laughs> he loves the game loves right the loves game. the game perimeter game yeah he's a good player great euro 
Great Euro. <laughs> Anyways, Malty, what's up, buddy? Hey, man, how are you? Good, uh, good. Thanks, uh, thanks, I think. I don't know. I don't no, know well, you know what? I had to have you on for my listeners here. And, and, and if you don't know this meltdown from uh, the Riff, you can catch them 3 to 7 uh, weekday afternoons on 101 WRAF here in Detroit. Actually, technically, it's like 245 to like 345. I always get <laughs> mad at that. Be, right? Because you're before 3 and then you're before six, 7. But yeah, yeah. 245, 645. There, yeah, you, there go. you go. But that's, that's just me being OCD. But anyways, right. um, so we were talking yesterday. Uh, Rift Golf Tournament uh, is next Wednesday at the Fountains. You and I will be playing in, which um, I give that to the Grind Time with Darren McCarty uh, listeners to check that out um, if they want to get involved. That's not the reason I called. Why I called is because when we were talking, you your podcast, which is called... Talk and Rock with Meltdown. Talk and Rock with Meltdown. Remember that, people. Talk and Rock with Meltdown. Check it out because uh, Shinedown and Brent Smith, the lead singer, were just in through Detroit and played the Riff Fest uh, last week at DTE, and you said you sat down and had a conversation with them. Um, will you elaborate a little bit uh, what to expect f- uh, for my listeners because I thought this was very important. Well, you know, Brent has had his uh, share with uh, struggles with uh, substance abuse over time. And I've known him since 2003. And like I even said in the interview, I've seen him at his worst. I've seen him at his best. And I think his best might be uh, right about now. But uh, he was really going down a slippery slope. And then uh, his his uh, son was born about 12 years ago. And as he told me in the interview, and I, I kind of knew this already, but uh, that was like the trigger that kind of helped him uh, get back. But um, as you know, you, sometimes you slip and fall. And he told me uh, back around 2015 or so, he uh, he did slip. He fell a little bit, and he got back into it. And in his own words, it was like uh, about the lowest he's ever been. So, And that's saying a lot because uh, he's had a lot of uh, struggles with it. But uh, you know what? He continues to uh, overcome and continues to uh, push forward. And uh, he's a really good guy. He's a super talented guy. And um, I wish him nothing but the best, you know, so... Well, yeah, and, and I I think that, you know, with everything uh, that we all have, it's, it's a chance to say, and, I, and to me, what it showed is, is obviously the respect that he has um, for you to be able to talk about that, because it, it's something that he doesn't really bring out in public, but I also relate to it, and it's okay. I think that the reason that, the, so check out Talk and Rock with Meltdown, you can check out the Brent Smith, I know you said it's on the, on the beginning of the episode, um, because you got a bunch of who? Other, what other bands did you talk to? To yeah, I talked to the guys from Pop Evil, who I think you know, and uh, yeah, the from GR. guys. Yeah, yeah, the guys from Bad Flower, who are have an interesting story. Then this girl Diamante, and then uh, last week I had uh, probably one of your favorites, uh, Getty Leon. Last oh, week, really cool. Yeah, he was dude. just in town yesterday signing copies of his book, the big beautiful book of bass at my friend's store at uh, Nick's store, uh, uh, Rock City Music. But uh, well, anyways, uh, you know was, what? Was... Thanks for the uh, you <laughs> the heads mother up. scratcher. That's okay. That's okay. They, they just announced it like Thursday or Friday or something. It came that fast. They just announced it. All right, I'll let you off. It's all right because because uh, there's something I'm bringing up later in the show. I'm playing golf with. Uh, Alice Cooper on Saturday, so I'll let you off the hook on that. Are one. you playing? Okay, yeah, because he's going to be in town. You going to the show or what? Uh, we'll, we'll see how we'll we'll see, we'll see what <laughs> all uh, Coop has. You know, see if he takes a like, takes a shine to DMAC or not. I'll tell you what. Uh, I, have you met him before? I have not. I'm dude. I, I I'm not worthy, bro. I'm doing. <laughs> Wayne, I'm like Wayne's World because like I get it with with and just you know to even uh, it's funny because I saw. 
uh, one of the stories done on him, um, and I didn't realize like that he's been to some dark places too. But the the greatest thing I had uh, our friend Damon Johnson um, was in here last week, but uh, who actually made it happen? But uh, was just saying is how Alice is, you know. That's the show guy, and then this is the day guy, and how to be able to separate. And I think that a lot of times, that's if I, if for me personally, if I can look and see people that I respect the way that they do it, then I'm in for it. And that goes back to Brent Smith, you know, talking real and showing people out there. It doesn't matter. This guy can sing and you know, unbelievable songs, but he's real and he's personable. And I think that that's just so important. So. Yeah, I've had a chance to uh, interview Alice a few times. I met him a few times and stuff. And I'll tell you what, Alice, it's like I was telling Damon this too. I'm like, there's not a question you can ask Alice that will stun him or shock him. He's heard everything, right? And so, uh, and so anyways, I was interviewing him for the first time, I think, back around 1999. And my mother-in-law just happened to make this quip as we were just talking about how I was going to interview Alice. She goes, I wonder how he plays golf with all that makeup on. Uh... <laughs> and, so, and so as I'm doing the interview... I said, hey, how do you play golf with all that makeup on? He looks at me and goes, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. All right, bro. I appreciate you. Keep uh, hey, you're go- What are you doing? Rollerblading tonight? Or you just, uh, is, it, is it lower keep body? Your, your- what do you want me to tell Coach here? With Casey I'm, needs, uh- listen, I'm, I've, I've got my 30 miles on my bicycle planned out for the morning time. So that's what, I, that's what I'm going to be doing. So, right. so, Coach Bellucci, you know I'm getting ready. I, I haven't given up the dream just yet. <laughs> All right, we'll get you a tryout. There you go. You see, I, I'm always working for you, brother. Anyways, that's uh, all right, Melty. Check I out uh, Talk and Rock with Meltdown. I will see you on Wednesday, my friend. Th- thanks, D-Mac. Talk you, to you later. You got it, bud. Uh, I love that, but no, because that's, you know, and, and Meltdown, I, you're just talking, buddies and stuff like that, and he mentioned that to me, and I'm like, I've met Brent Smith, and I got a photo with him, and you know, I uh, really respect not only the music, but the fact that when you can man up, this is here, I, who I am, you know, it's the same thing. What do I end the show with all the time? No matter how many times you fall down, you got to get back up. Yeah. You know, well, I think of back, you know, how much, how much partying and drinking was done in juniors with you guys and then, and then went over to the pros. I mean, how many guys have you seen? You know, pro players that you grew up playing with or knew that that it affected their careers, that they could have had longer careers. You know, I mean, they, <laughs> right? I wonder if yeah. they ever make the what if list. Yeah, because it'd be long. No, it it really would be as far <laughs> yeah. as different. You know, pregnancies, um, oh, yeah. deaths. You know, alcoholism, yeah. drug, whatever. Uh, bad places. You know, that it's unbelievable how many guys that you've seen that have played for you or that you've grown up with or whatever else. How about, here's, here's a couple good quick questions or a couple questions that I had back coach in Plymouth and in, in the OHL most talented player you've coached, right? Yeah. Just talent, talent wise. I just want flat out hockey talent. Who's the most talented player you coached? Who's the toughest player you coached? Right. And then who would you say out of that that you just knew, you know, like, I mean, like, obviously with Eric and stuff, but you just, when, who did you know before everybody else knew? That oh, was gonna. Man. That was gonna. That was gonna those be are, something. Those are all great. I'm gonna get in trouble with all of the guys. Well, of course you <laughs> So, uh, man, 
The guy I, I'll, I knew, let, I'll let you name a few yeah, if that if yeah. it's tough because it of is that. tough. The guy I knew right away was uh, Tyler Sagan. Yeah, I knew at sixteen year old. I knew he was the best. You know why? No. Everybody on the team wanted to play with him. How many 19, 20-year-olds did you know say, hey, I want to play with that 16-year-old? And, and explain, so explain that, because, in, in, and this is the mentality of juniors, and I think more so it's relatable in the AHL because of the age of the guys where there's more of a closer yeah. age in the younger 20s. But, no, it was always pecking order as far as, yeah. as no, pay your dues, do that, do whatever. So these guys so were like, nineteen-year-olds uh, like, uh, I want that. I'm guy not drafted yet. I yeah. need him. Yes, exactly right. I need more points. I need stats. I need the best player on the team, even though he was 16. And I'll remember with Sags, I pulled him aside in Windsor one time, and he was just trying to fit in, and he was a six-year-old. I said, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? Because right now you're good, but you could be great. And he's like, well, I'm like, don't worry about those guys. They want to play on your line. They'll take care of you. And that's when he took off. But what, that's the first guy I looked at that I knew. Uh, most talented, he would be there. James Neal. There's so many. I can't, you know, I've had Ricard Raquel and guys like that. So uh, Neeler would be pissed if I didn't say it was him. Um, <laughs> but they're all in different ways. Different ways, like yeah. Like who, who Raquel is... was the, the uh, uh, puck protection the, by far the best. Like yeah. he was unbelievable puck protection. Couldn't take it away from him. Neil and... Neil's release was second to none. Say again, speed and that. Uh, Vince Trocek, who was the oh, yeah. complete Trocek player. In I love Vinny. Vinny's a complete player. Like, and he would rip your head off too. Um, He's got, you know, he, you know, what he reminds me of. He reminds me of Dino, a, a little bit of yeah, Cicerelli yeah, yeah. as far as. Not that big. He doesn't. Oh, he's not. Doesn't big. command the the net that much, but he plays with the same piss and vinegar. Oh, same edge. Same he's same edge. edge. Yeah, that's why like, I loved him. He's yeah. one of those guys that doesn't know how big he is. Has no idea. Doesn't care how big. No, he is. doesn't care. Doesn't care how big you are. No. How big he is. He's gonna go at it. Yeah. So th- from a talent wise, toughest wise, there's there's a few. And I, <laughs> I always piss off. It was funny. We were having a. Uh, uh, what is alumni one. party? We had an alumni party and uh, here in Plymouth, and uh, so we were all out having a few beers and talking. And somebody asked me the question, and I had uh, Tom Wilson and Jared Bull sitting right there. And I said, uh, "Yeah, Jamie Devane's my toughest I've ever oh. had." Right? They lost their mind. And and you might not know who Jamie Devane is, but he was a third rounder to Toronto, six five, and he's still playing in the minors, and he kills people. Nicest guy in the world, but he's huge. But I would give. I'd give Bowler the edge on on Willie just because Bowler will fight anybody anytime, any place. Bowler Bowler has the and Van, take punches. Ryan Vandenbush, but bigger. Like you got to kill Bushy because he's not going to stop. Like yeah. w- Willie's one of my favorite. Yeah, I love because that. he's such the throwback, but he's the complete player. But yeah. to pick his spots, what about uh, well, we Gino? Got, we got oh, fights, lady. I, 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 I was going to say Gino. Gino's, Gino's watching us. Gino's watching Gino's us. Gino's Gino's I met, listen, I'll it's tell you this. I'll tell. Tell me a little bit because I want to send a shout out to Gino because I met Gino. I I how about this? That's so why uh, doing stuff with athletes for care. I flew out to San Francisco Spark event with speak with. Then I met Mike Tyson and talked about cannabis and CBD and stuff like that. And Gino flew in from Arizona to meet me and stuff like that. And then I mentioned to Perry. And Barry says, you know how tough this fucking kid was? Oh, my God. Unbelievable. And and I went back and watched some of his fights and shit. And, yeah. 
Yeah, he was. So I got two Gino. I remember recruiting him. He's a Chicago kid, and I had to go to his uh, his house to recruit him. You know, and and uh, Gino was downstairs, and I was talking to the parents, and I hear Gino from downstairs, Ma, Ma, I want a sandwich. You know that scene oh, from Wedding Crashers? Yeah. Ma, where's the meatloaf? That's exactly <laughs> what it was like. So I'm like, man, this kid, I don't know about this guy. He's pretty tough. So that was the first game we're playing uh, Kitchener, and Gino was what 17 year old, I think, is when he when he played for us, and we're in Kitchener. First game on the road, and Nathan Anibigan was their overage tough guy. And we were down 4-2, and it was like the third, and and, uh, and Gino turns around and goes, Coach, I think I'm going to go 23. I'm like, pick another number. He's like, no, no, 23. I said, pick another number. No, 23. I'm like, all right, go ahead. Boom. And then what a toe-to-toe, but Gino took a, quite a few. Yeah. And he's like, welcome to the OHL moment. But I, that's why I give him credit. I tried to help him out and give him somebody else, but – he he had some great fights. The Scott Todd when he TKO'd Scott Todd in Windsor, and you guys probably saw that fight. Yeah. Actually, I just watched it on YouTube like a week or two ago. <laughs> I was goofing around looking at it. Oh my god, was that unbelievable! And then uh, one more on Gino was because it was great. So uh, uh, Steve Downey, oh yeah, Windsor. Yeah. So Gino and Steve Downey are the same age, and he got drafted in Windsor. So I said, Gino, uh, we played two exhibition, eight regular season, and then we played on the playoffs. I said, Gino, go up to Downey and tell him right now, because Downey was a tough guy too. I said, tell him you guys are fighting 10 times this year. Two exhibition, all eight regular seasons. Get used to me. Gino walked right over him, told him they fought, and then every time. Then Downey just left us alone the rest of the year. Never came near anybody, nothing. Dude, and, it, uh, it's unbelievable. But, but, but explain that because Junior is that way. Jeff Riccardi and I used to fight in Ottawa Strapes all every game. There's guys every game you'd fight. I remember in the playoffs, Ray Edwards, who was our overage, would fight Riccardi. And then he banged his hand up and he says to me before game three, he goes, dude, my hands, you're going to have to fight him for. You know, like, I, yeah. you know, like that's just the way it was. It was like, who am I going to pair off with? Or who do I have to... Stay yeah. in your, you know, you, and people don't understand. Try to stay in your weight class. Because there was a, <laughs> but it was, it, when there's respect and honor, yes. then it feeds out to where even the other teams, like got a, a guy gets unevenly matched up, then a guy's not going to, if there's respect, there's not going to take the shot at him until somebody else. Now yeah. you can understand if there's real hate or there's not real hate. Yeah. Like that that's the difference between the respect factor well, and the hate in factor. Belleville my first year Craig Cox was on my team. Oh, so yeah. him and Proby back then would have those minute and a half, two minute fights. So I remember seeing that right in Brantford. It was toe to toe with Coxie. What a great guy. I think he's up in oh, yeah, he's, City. Yeah, he's yeah. 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 Oh, he's with with you guys. Oh, oh, yeah. Every now and then. Coxie was, you know, from California. So I was one of the only Americans on the team in Belleville. I'm American. He took care of me. I owe him a lot of, a lot of thanks for that one. He that took right. care of me. They never, when I was a rookie, they didn't mess with me because Coxie <laughs> would say, leave the kid alone. And I uh, love Coxie, but man, him and Proby would go at it all the time, and it started in juniors. Oh yeah, yeah there's, I, I think there's a, a one or two YouTube videos out there of them them going. Oh yeah, yeah. And Coxie was, was pound for pound tough too. I mean, he wasn't oh, really heavy. He was no, tall. he's lanky. He was lanky. just one of those and like they both fought the same way. Is yeah. that yeah. they did they, they? You weren't gonna hurt them. It's just the longer it went, it's just gonna wear it out. Yeah, yeah. That was great. They were they were a lot of fun to watch. That's awesome. You're a golfer, right? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, have you ever played Cattails? <laughs> yeah. Did you know that Cattails <laughs> Golf Club is an 18-hole championship track in South Lyon? Do you know where South Lyon is? I know where South I play Cattails quite a bit, to be well, honest Well, you know me. what? Former home to the LPGA Futures Tour, Michigan Amateur Qualifier, and more. Two very unique nines. 
One unique golfing experience. Wetlands featured on the front where Perry Vellucci's balls are mostly found. Hardwoods, native forests on the back. There's a range, multiple practice areas. Full bar and menu at the clubhouse. You know you can come on out and join the course at the Grinder or that the Grind Time family plays. Check out our Facebook page for an exclusive offer to Grind Time fans that will get you 18 holes and a cart for $25 during the week. Pretty good deal, right? Yeah, it is. Is it number 10 a par 5 over water? Yeah. Number 10 is yes, uh, dog, leg dog leg left. Dog leg yep. left, yeah. Yep. Yep. Try to go for that in two a couple times. Oh, yeah. No, we'll have to uh, We'll have to uh, obviously get out and play. So how long are you? So what are you? So what's in tail? So obviously being in Charlotte or whatever, and then now moving you in between places. You're back. Yeah, for the I'm, I'm back. Come come back to the summer, or uh, yeah, for the summer. My son here. Uh, uh, yeah, but by the way, Ryan's in here. Ryan yeah. uh, plays for Barnyard. Ryan Barnes last yeah. year. And yeah. uh, what's Finner's kid's name? Fisher's, Fisher, Fisher's kid. Braden. Braden. Oh yeah, the big, the big, yeah. Yeah, six exactly. foot five. So yeah. So. How old are you guys? What year? Oh, two? God dang. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's taller than me. Yeah. Yeah. So I come back for the summer and, and, uh, and then my daughter lives in Charlotte. She goes to school there. So she's a senior in college. So, and then my wife and son live here. So I'll be in uh, Wilkes in September. Training camp in Pittsburgh starts. We go for training camp, I think, on the 6th or 7th of September. That's awesome. Looking forward to it then. So I got a. Uh, so I have you in here, right? And and I've shown this clip, and and this is uh, coming up here in a few minutes. We're gonna have uh, Dylan Playfair from the show Letter Kenny. But one of the things I wanted to show you, Coach, is because I tried to bring this up before from a player's perspective. But there's a there's a clip on there. There's a clip on there um, that I showed to the people uh, back home or on the grind time with Darren McCarty of how to get teams fired up now. I would like you, I've showed you this before, but we're going to watch it again, and then I want you to comment uh, on the coaches. Is this proper etiquette? Is this something that's realistic? Um, if it is realistic, maybe what level it's realistic? So this is the letter Kenny uh, kick a garbage can. Uninspired hockey. It's unacceptable. It's fucking embarrassing, all right? No hustle, no heart, no jam. You're in between the first and second period. You're down about two goals. Your star player ain't playing like he's supposed to. You're the coach. It's your job to inspire him. And the best way to do that is... Kick a garbage can. Now, there's three approaches to this, all right? Number one, it's called the alarm clock. You walk in the room, hands in your pocket. Don't say anything. Don't say a word. Their heads are hanging low. You don't want to wake the babies. And then... Out of nowhere, fucking embarrassing! Showing show the replay of him kicking. Alarm the clock. <laughs> Approach number two is the tornado. Now there's a bonus kick in this one. You kick the door as you're coming in. You come in the room like you're a caged animal, all right? Circling, circling, pointing out and insulting and embarrassing every single player, all right? You're fucking embarrassing, you're fucking embarrassing, you're fucking embarrassing, you're fucking embarrassing, right? And then BAM! <laughs> the slow motion replay of the Cambia kick. Yeah, the can be a kick slow motion. Tornado. Play. Fucking embarrassing. Now, the third approach oh, this is, the best is the boomerang, all right? 
You do everything you did in the tornado, right? Caged animal coming in, the fucking embarrassing, fucking embarrassing, fucking embarrassing, right? Then you leave. Give it about three, four seconds. Let them think they're out the hook, that they're out of the weeds. And then you come flying back into the room. Damn, it's fucking embarrassing! Walked out of the room, walked through the bathroom, and caught him coaching. So that Now go out there and win some hockey games. <laughs> Yeah, the first thing I noticed in that whole thing, there's nothing in the garbage can. So that's uh, so, so well, well, it's not a dramatic effect. Okay, no. well explain 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 that from a coaching, right? So so Well, I did it. I did it, and there was something in the garbage can and it didn't freaking move. <laughs> oh, so what you're saying so, yeah. Oh, so yeah. you, I thought you were going at it as oh, with no nothing in the garbage can you don't get the effect. No, what you're no, saying, saying is, is check the garbage check can the garbage out because there might be a cement. It. Hundred percent. I went my first year. I lost it. You know, and and you don't rehearse. No. Obviously, that's you rehearse. The guys know it, so that's phony. But my first year, and this is when you could do this stuff, and it used to get a rise out of people. Now the kids say, you know, they won't even pay attention to you. But anyways, so if you do it, I did it, and it was full of garbage, and it didn't move an inch. And I swear to God, I broke my foot. I was foot. just kidding. Oh say. my God, it hurt so bad. And then. You gotta hold it in, like don't let them know you're hurt. Don't let them know you're hurt. Finish off your sort of like playing. Finish get the your hell ship. out of here. Yeah. Finish your shift. Get the hell out of here, and then go get some ice. And that. So the first time I did it, I almost broke my foot. It was the worst thing in the world. But, and then the other thing is, you just don't rehearse it. You know, I mean, it's you go in there. I, I didn't do it once this year, to be honest with you. I, I a couple times got in there and you know screamed a little bit, but I used to do it a lot, to be honest with you. But if you like, maybe once or twice a year. But nowadays the kids don't pay attention to that. They. They pull out their cell phone so and yeah, see what coaches do. I'm going to tell mom or dad <laughs> you, or something. But okay, so call my agent. Um, you know, like that. Every coach sort of has their shtick, like fucking embarrassed and fucking. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a? Do you have? Yeah, like I'm a, sure I do. I, I you I, know what? I got to think about that. I know the guys made fun of me all the time because I did something, but. You know, God, I'm trying to remember what it was, but I, I throw the f bombs around a lot. They had a bunch of clips of me in the locker room this year, and uh, um, yeah, after, the games, just, after the games, after the games, that is just like we, you know, it's like it's a locker room. That's it's like best. that's how you get their attention if you don't use it. I had a coach one time, can't remember what his name was, and the Myers says, "Now come on, guys, gosh darn it, let's make sure we work hard tonight." You know, yeah, okay, whatever. Like it wasn't the the effect wasn't there, but um, you know, the swearing one. It, that they showed it was it was what do they respond fun. to now what's their motivation like because you know days off okay <laughs> no, no, which is it's days off man i mean you know we'd have a long weekend and i'd go in there and and you know we play on sunday and the first thing the boys would be yell you know see you wednesday you know they want the two days off is yeah. what they wanted they wanted to make sure they got two days off that's what they respond to so the more you can uh keep them engaged and then give them some time off you'd be all set well that's great dylan? hello hello dylan you there bud hi how you doing hello hey dylan hey oh, you still have me but i can't hear dylan dylan you still there <laughs> either he's dylan? she's their handler Ah, okay i'm so sorry hold on you know i'm gonna call him back and call you right back all right See that's I'm, what that's what happens when you're dealing with like you know big time stuff. He's got a handler. He's got a Why handle. do I have a handler? Yeah. Oh, you need. You a do. Handler. He's yeah, right there. Yeah, that's not right. a handler. No. Oh my god! Carrie's <laughs> yeah. my handler. I'm fucked. Yeah. But cool. Get in yeah. on this shit, man. At least like 
Come on. Darren, man. while we're killing a couple minutes, I want yeah. to bring up something you were talking about. Eric Lindros. Yeah. How good he was. Yeah. I loved him as a kid. Well, and I, I, thought, didn't, I, I don't care about hockey. S- yeah. no. And he was so amazing. I knew everything about every hockey card, everything. And the number 88, did you see this the other day on the internet? There's 11 players in the NHL right now that wear 88. Was, um, and he was and the it's first. the most out of any number. Nylander just switched, right, for the yep. Leafs. Yeah, oh, Nylander, there we are. Nylander just switched to 88. Oh, is that, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. they were yeah. – yeah. Yeah, I saw something about that. Um, yeah, so uh, I think Nylander just switched to 88 in Toronto. I actually saw Eric uh, uh, wished him good luck with it and stuff. So. When did you see him? Oh, he, on Twitter or whatever. He, oh, I got you. Yeah, oh, I he, saw He posted yeah. something wanted to make sure that uh, – he knew he endorsed it or something, so, oh, okay. which is cool. Because a lot of guys were making fun of him for switching his number, which I don't understand. No, that's something uh, uh, Darren Dink Reynolds would like to know, Mac, when we have time. to. He wants to know the stories Dink behind Fred, certain hey, guys. Dink, I went to high school with him in Belleville. Oh, he's, so, lo- he's so loving, he loves he's loving Belleville. this show. Oh, yeah. What does he want to know? He wants to know the, the the reason, you know, why everybody picked numbers, how they got numbers. So whenever we have people on, he just wants to know how they got a number. Or, oh, you yeah. Know. Did you pick any of your numbers? No. Hey, when, you, when you're not very good, I you got, just take what they give you. I got, I, think 20, my first... well, mine, I got 25 because I had second choice, and there was 14, 18, 25, 27. Mike Gavisoff chose 27, or I would have chose 27. Yeah. But I don't like even numbers. When you're not very good, you go to camp, they give you their number. So I got 34 <laughs> in Hartford. Ah, it was hey, here. Hey, here you just go. happy you have a number. That's right. Oh. Dylan, you there, bud? I'm here, brother. I uh, could hear you guys the whole time. Two uh, times I could hear everyone. I was like, I'm here, boys. I'm here. <laughs> God damn it, bro. I thought you were dusting me off, kid. You know, I mean, I got four cups. What do I need? I played for your dad. I got four cups. I mean, I thought we were tired of that. Buddy, I'm fucking excited about this, man. I, uh, I've, I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you joining us, guys, as I have uh, announced before, uh, and I'm proud to bring to the grind time with Darren McCarty. Airwaves is one is right his his character's name is Riley. He's got sick flow. Uh, part of the Leonard Kenny crew. Part of Leonard Kenny Shamrocks. This is Dylan Playfair. Welcome to Grind boys, Time with Darren McCarty. That's the <laughs> Happy fi- to be here. You got the official uh, opening now. Uh, like I mentioned, so um, how old are you? I am uh, twenty seven. So you're twenty seven. So when I was in Calgary with your dad for two years, you were like fifteen, sixteen then. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I was a young gun. You you were I, you were so so explain so to having a dad who's uh, assistant coach in the NHL, the coach and has played, and um, obviously uh, Uncle Larry is pretty fucking tough too. So uh, <laughs> you come you come from from a hockey background. How does your role? as Riley in Letterkenny come about? Uh, from not being nearly as skilled as the aforementioned people, for one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to pull up my statistics, but I think I might be the only uh, player in the history of the BCHL to go a full season without a point as a forward. <laughs> so I saw the writing on the wall, <laughs> realized that uh, – I wasn't uh, nearly as, as tough as, uh, as those guys were and couldn't put up enough points. And I started watching um, Friday Night Lights with Taylor Kitsch, actually, who was another hockey player turned actor. And just, you know, loved being the, the class clown in the dressing room. And I was always a, a dressing room guy and, and had a lot of fun with the boys. And I thought, you know, if this is, this is something that I, that I enjoy doing, I enjoy, you know, 
having command of the room and telling stories and figured, you know, I want to, I want to keep doing that. And I was kind of a bit of a drama nerd in high school. I did a couple of plays and enjoyed that. And I got the same, the same sort of rush out of being on stage that I got when I was playing hockey. So I, when I was 19, I packed up my, packed up my shit and drove out to Vancouver and worked as a production assistant and then got a, got an agent and started auditioning. And I booked my, my third audition was a feature film, uh, a horror movie, and then that ball kept rolling. And I met uh, Jerry Kiso, who was another former hockey player, the creator of Letterkenny. And he invited me out to play beer league with him. And uh, Hersey and I, the guy who plays Jonesy on Letterkenny, <laughs> we, uh, we were roommates, man. We were roommates See? together. And and uh, he's like, fuck, boys, you guys got to come out and... Uh, and uh, act on on this short i'm doing on youtube letter candy it's about small towns and i was actually born in fort st james which is a town of about two thousand people so i was like yeah man small town humor hockey players that's up my wheelhouse so <laughs> bro we did that and uh yeah the show got made man it was a bit of a whirlwind but well, you're it worked it's out sixth season now you know and and here's the thing so so in the studio right now would be me uh bam bam's behind the ones and twos mccool's just making sure the coffee's here i have mike Volucci, who's the ahl coach of the year and the coach for the uh calder cup champion charlotte checkers who's now going to wilkes-barre scranton the pittsburgh organization because you know how i got him because his brother is my co-host Perry Vellucci, he's the oldest one that we learned wore the parents down so the younger brothers you know how it works yeah, yeah. Works we're, it the, out. we're the test subjects. The test subjects. <laughs> so, so we were just talking about like junior hockey and going back. And you lied to me, by the way. You had yes. a helper. You had an apple in forty games, fifty four. <laughs> so you had an apple, kid. You like, I and you, you didn't go pointless. Bit. You didn't <laughs> yeah, go pointless. You. You're right. I appreciate that, Dan. Yeah, thanks for no, uh, letting the people know. They want to know that stuff. <laughs> no, I got to cut. It's the thing that I do, man. It's like I just call it like I say it like it is. Like you had a point, bro, so you can't go on. Because if there's a kid out there that's trying to do something with no points, I mean, you don't you see you got this letter Kenny thing going. You got to leave something else for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I got to give him something, right? <laughs> so that makes so that makes sense. Um, I'm gonna play Evan. Can you play the first clip there? Uh, I, I pulled a couple couple of my favorite clips of you and Jonesy, and this this makes sense because um, one of the questions is that you said you or one of the questions statements you said is that you two were roommates, and so because your the your communication and the way you play off each other is totally like in the hockey dressing room. Yeah. I'm going yeah, I'm going to play awesome. I'm going to play this this is one of my favorites. Um uh you, you can listen to it and then you can tell me about it after but I want to know about the creative part going into so you have all these ideas and stuff and uh what don't we know or what should we know like behind the scenes wise and making stuff like this. So Nice onesie. Is it coming men? Oh, I think you coming men enough for all of us. I think you better come in my I mean you better come up. I think you better come say that to his face, you fucking hicks. Nice execution. You're doing terrific. Hey, I heard about your breakup, buddy. She's a sweetie for what? Uh, five years, right? Oh, uh, you're a uh, high school sweetie, right? What's it to you? Heard she cheated on you, buddy. That's a real kick in the knackers, bro. Just a real ouchie, bro. It's too bad that she taught you not to fight anymore, buddy. Because that's a fight on sight for you and her new guy, buddy. Fourth life for life, bro. Maybe if you'd ever been in a real fight, you might not be so keen for another. What'd you say? <laughs> you heard me. Oh my spitter. Oh my spitter. Dark soft voice. 
You looking for a Tilly, buddy? Look to have a Donny Brook. Pump the brakes. You take your shirt off, but leave your sunglasses on. What sort of backwards fucking pageantry is that? You gonna fight with those shades or play PokerStars.com? Hold my spitter. Just put the spitters down. TikTok. Go time! Look at that fucking treasure trail. What's up with your fucking body hair, big shoots? You look like a 12-year-old Dutch girl. Your aesthetician quaffed that for you? You can kiss my aesthetician. You guys do crossfit? You can cross fuck off. Cross fart. How many times you pulled your horn today, bud? What? Oh, she's bashful. Well, come on, kitten. I won't tell anyone. Ballpark six to eight. You're a fucking animal. Play a little five on one. Hit the kitchen. Mix a batch. Feed the ducks. Distribute some free literature. Go time! Fucking shut up! Riley, Jonesy, put your fucking shirts on and get out of here. Talk, Ted Fucker. Bro, like ser seriously, like how long does that take? Like just to, you know, you, you shoot the scene and it takes two minutes to shoot that whole scene. But to, to, the lingo is so spot on. I want people to realize it's like, it's, it's, it's literally like the hockey little town you took the trailer park, trailer park boys, because those are my guys. I grew up with those guys and know, yeah. know them really well. But you took the trailer park and you put it into the hockey, and and the lingo and the and the words and because people, that's real. Like, that's do they understand that is the real way? If you go to any town in Canada or whatever else, guys talk like that. That's the way, and you know the, the authenticity comes from the fact that we all played hockey. Like, it's not, it's a cool thing. It's not written by people who are trying to figure out what a hockey player would sound like. It's written by hockey players who've turned into actors and they're just shining that light into that fucking closed door of a locker room normally, you know? It's 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 just that. It's an, an entire language that exists in a hockey rink, you know? And, and bringing, that, bringing that out. It was cool because when we made the show, we were like, you know, if, if, if we're the only ones who watch this, at least we'll find it funny, you know, and I, and I think that's I think that's been our, you know, our, our best staff that is that we we find it hilarious and there's enough people out in the world who have the same sense of sick humor as us that the show's gone on. But we're going into I mean, we're about to film our, our eighth season now, you know, so it's like it's obviously struck a chord and people can identify with it. And I mean, the crazy thing has been getting people in the States who have identified with it, who, you know, this is just like the lacrosse guys, or this is just like so-and-so, like everyone knows someone from Letterkenny in their small town. So that's been, I think that's been the authentic part of it that people have identified with. You know? Yeah. I mean, thank God I had some ability and some, you know, Paul Crowley saw me cause I could have been Wayne. I mean, toughest guy. I mean, he's freaking leaving to. But the, the the thing is, is you guys don't miss a beat, and 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 that makes sense because you have the continuity of a hockey team, just being about yeah, it, making it for yourself. It, yeah, there's that. There's also the fact. That, I mean, Kiso is he's like one of the greatest guys. We call him Cap Captain Kiso because he was the captain of our beer league team. We all played on a beer league team together, and now he's you know the the creator of the show and. Um, when when the show got picked up, because that clip that you guys just played, that was from the that was from our YouTube series before it, it got onto uh on the television. So when he got picked up by Crave, he told us, you know, I'm gonna go to bat for you guys. I'm gonna make sure that you boys are, are in the show because there was talks of having auditions for the hockey players, of having someone else come in and maybe play the role. And he 
he essentially went to head office and said, uh, "The boys are the boys are the boys are not casting those guys. Like they're they're with us from the start and they're sticking with us till the end." So having that sort of trust in in Hersey and I really, I think it, it it forced us to make sure we brought our A game. You know, we didn't want to make him look stupid. So we, I mean, for our our first season, we were rehearsing in our in our uh, rooms for eight nine hours you know, each night just to make sure that that dialogue was so tight. Cause it is a mouthful, man. Like we're going, yeah, but not it, only are we good shows. No, no, no. I, I just want you to, to know that from a guy that played or a guy that grew up to anything else, it shows that whatever the time you spent, not only that you too, like I said to myself, when I first started, because because honestly, I'll pick the clips. I mean, my t- I haven't watched this the series front to back yet because it's too funny picking out the clips of whatever <laughs> else. But you can tell that anytime there's a real relationship with people that it's not put on. And the fact that you yeah. say, I want everybody to realize you guys made it for yourself, you know, yeah, which is a great, great example to everybody out there is that as long as you like what it's you're doing. So, so from in doing the first episode or getting it, you know, like you said, taking it from the video clips into getting picked up into being, you know, I can go home and watch it, you know, watch the seasons. Now, what have you, mm-hmm. what have you guys learned? What is, what is anything gotten harder or what has gotten easier? Cause the way that I see it and the way that I know it, the higher you get, the more they give you shit and the easier it is, right? You, you got to grind and do all that stuff to establish yourself. Now you got some momentum going. Is it different yeah, or what have you learned? No, that's exactly it. You know, the, 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 the work we were putting in in seasons one, two, and three were like, honest to God, eight hour rehearsals each night. Just, just, and every, it's great. Cause every scene I'm in, I'm with Andrew. So we have each other to bounce off of. We have that chemistry already. We have that work ethic. Cause he played, he played junior out in Ontario and kind of same story as, as me, oldest of three boys, grinder, left to go become an actor. So we we sort of, you know, see the world in a really similar way. But we we had that pressure in the beginning to really prove ourselves. And then we actually met last season and we were running scenes and we were, you know, memorized in 15 minutes. And he's like, buddy, I'm going home. Like, we're done. And I called him when he got home. Like, fuck, man, I feel like. I, I feel like we're not doing enough. And, and, and the next day I went and I talked to Jared about it. I'm like, I, you know, we're, we're there, but I almost feel like I'm not, uh, I'm not earning it. He goes, you know, Dylan, you guys know these guys. Like you've been living with them for, for five years now. You've been saying these words, you've been getting into this character's headspace. Like it does get easier. It's like, you know, when, when you first learn to, you know, and I remember in Adam when I first got the puck off the ice, so I was like, holy shit, that took me, you know, 50, 60, 100 tries just to raise the puck. And now it's like, you'll never lose that skill. So I think that for me was was a cool learning curve of knowing like, just because it doesn't feel hard anymore, doesn't mean it's not still good. It just means you, you've learned that skill. So like, I can look at a script now and, and be basically off book in 45 minutes. It used to take me the better part of the afternoon and, and most of the night to figure that shit out. So that's been, that's been cool. And then it's, uh, you know, just finding new layers and, and making sure that you, you still bring something to the table that, that makes people laugh. You don't get, you don't want to get comfortable in the sense that you start overlooking details, but you also can accept the fact that as it goes on, like anything, if you, if the more comfortable you are, 
the easier it gets. So that's been a that's been a cool lesson to learn in, in this series, especially. And it, it's fun, man. Like just having fun is such an important part of comedy because people can feel it, right? Like you said, oh. you can feel that connection we have. Oh, you, it's you, real. You, it doesn't, dude. One of my other favorite scenes um, is the boys. Uh, uh, Crazy Dan uh, tossing the ball around. We're talking about, uh, about getting <laughs> butt stuff. Dude, oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, no, but but like, dude, I posted that today on my on my uh, Instagram because you don't understand. You've had that conversation with your boys, <laughs> right. but the the intri- But what I got it like the intricacies of the the not only the catch game being that short, but then the throws. And then the underhand throw, and then the ignore the guy. Like every, like you guys, like yeah. how how long do things like that take to come together? Or is it because you're saying because you all are on the same page because you came from the same page, you can go with each other. Where one guy goes, hey, starts taking it this way, and you're like, oh, I remember that. That was freaking Johnny back in uh, second year yeah. and uh, whatever. Well, I'll let you in on an insider secret. At the end of every season, we shoot in the summertime out in Sudbury. So I'm leaving at the end of this month to go film season eight. And uh, at the end of every season, Kiso and uh, and the core cast, we usually get together and we'll go out and rent a cabin up uh, in northern, northern Montreal and just be degenerates for it basically it comes from bender weekend you know in hockey and you get eliminated and you go on a bender that that same model came directly into letter kenny and at least half maybe more of the jokes you see come out of those weekends because we have that's our humor that's our sense of humor we talk about that shit and when we you know drive up to his cabin in montreal we joke about that stuff in the car and Jared takes notes. It's funny. We'll be shooting the shit. He'll pull his phone out and make a note and go, that's going in the movie. And sure as God's got sandals, man. Every time, like, we, when we laugh, because <laughs> we do, we, we laugh together, and it's, like, constant, and he's observant, man. We'll be out at the bar having a good time, and he'll pull his phone out and make a note. And the next season, we'll get the scripts, and he'll have integrated that little joke bit into a scene like that one with, when they're throwing the ball around, I mean, Jesus, those dude. conversations were had, man. It's it's cool. Oh, uh, it's yeah, really cool. they, they uh, uh, do, uh, don't mean to be disrespectful, but you know, or did, oh, you know, yeah. whatever. Like you, one of those. It's told like you totally nailed it. Now, how how much of Riley is Dylan? Uh, probably more than I'd really like to admit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's good for the fans because there's a whole bunch of chicks out there going, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> hey, I yeah, got it. It's fun. Hey, I got this. I, I want to send you. There's a couple things that I, I want to send out to you. Is that that I think you guys will like? Is um, buddy of mine in, with Mess Bucket Comics has created this comic book called Donnie Brook. Right, so yeah. it's it's. And and it started where he created this Michigan massacre, but it's pretty much like the stories of the miners and juniors. So I got involved. I I created a team called the Burnaby Blazers. It's a bunch of pot smoking lumberjacks from BC, right? That's my <laughs> team. Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante and Clerks, has the uh, Hell's Kitchen uh, Heathens. Brandon Inge, uh, former uh, Detroit Tiger player, has the Lynchburg Moonshiners. Uh, I'm going to say, like, as we get going, a um, bunch of that. And also, too, one of my sponsors, you know what one of my sponsors mm-hmm. is? It's called Miracle Miracle Flow. 
It's strictly for mullets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you, sir. Yeah, I just put the shot out I'm there. Find, me. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna find a photo of me playing junior B, and I'm gonna send you the mullet with racing stripes that I had all through. <laughs> Bro, I love it, dude. Uh, right, right ahead, but I'm gonna it's the miracle flow, and then the, the other other um. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that, you know, now that you know how to get a hold of me, whenever you need, you know, for the movie or a cameo or something like that, you want me to come on in and uh, beat up one of those dusters that ain't performing, oh, you let yeah, me know. Buddy. I, I know for a fact, uh, another story I'll let you know with Jerry Kiso, the only guy I know in the world who starts every morning religiously with HockeyFights.com. Every single morning he wakes up and watches HockeyFights.com. I have a brother like that. <laughs> that is, yeah, you do, we actually do. Dude, hey, you tell him I got VHS of hockey fights from back in the day. You know, <laughs> That's sort of like, that's almost like a, 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 a giving a hockey guy porn. You know, you're yeah, saying you got old school like, hockey fights. I got six hours of Proby and kosher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's classic, man. That's classic. And I think the most jealous person in this podcast is going to be Jerry Key. So he, uh, He's got an encyclopedic knowledge of every tough guy that that I've ever heard. Well, of then you, I mean? hey, here's the de- here's the deal. Then you go back and say now that I, that because you know we're we're like sort of family because your dad was sort of like yeah you know we so go back we go back so you tell Jared he's more than welcome anytime and we can strictly just talk fights or I'll oh, have buddy. him on and we'll play. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. You, you, uh, we'll get in contact. You let him know he's got an open invite on Grind Time. Shit, you can call Darren McCarty and I'll talk hockey fights with him from all you time. You bet. So. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you up on that. I do. Uh, Please yeah, do. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely do that for sure. Please. I do. actually, I, I, before I forget, I got a question for you, Darren, because I got a very distinct memory of uh, going down into the stick room in Calgary. And uh, raiding twigs, looking for one that I could use. And I remember seeing your tape job. And it, for as long as I saw that tape job, I've wanted to ask you the question. Did you used to put soft medical tape right on the blade and then tape over top of that? Or was that? No. Is, what, is that, what, no, you'd use medical tape as the white and then you'd puck it down. Or it depended on, on sometimes because you got into, I'd always mess around, but it was usually you take that white medical tape and then you take a puck to it and you scrape it all down so the so that's where the black wears off on it so it's got that sort of black-white look. Oh, okay, because it, it looked to me like there was foam on the blade. <laughs> uh, like, like soft foam. And oh, was, you think uh, it was, was like think- the pre-wrap? You know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. The pre wrap, like the, you know that that soft shit that you put that, on your hand. That uh, that that one was uh, like a puck handling one in uh, in the hallway. <laughs> oh, okay. So Thank so God. you're not I, slapping I, the because I tried it. I tried it on the ice, thinking I was like, well, if Darren McCarty does it, then I'm gonna do it. Bro, and it was useless. I was trying to figure out. Now we know why. You wonder why you had no goals. <laughs> That's what he got yeah, his point right? with. Now That's what he got his point with. Fucking a year without scoring a goal. Okay, bro. So what do we learn? I got a lot of different things, though. That's sort of a warm-up stick, sort of to pass it around so you don't chop up. The, you know, when you think about it, when you're stick handling on the on the plastic or the whatever the yeah. rubber you step the skates in, they, the trainers don't like it when you mark it with the tape or whatever like yeah. that. So I put that on there for a softer 
whatever. No, yeah, I wouldn't. That, that, that makes total sense. I don't think I used it on the ice, but that would explain why I probably only had like seven goals. So, I mean. Well, no, well, see, because I did use it on the ice, and that explains why I had none. So, I'm glad we got that clear. But look how, look how it worked <laughs> out for you. Hey man, it, you know I might I might owe you more than uh, more than I realize. So you don't owe, you. Yeah, you don't owe me shit other than just keep bringing that material, boys. Because I <laughs> Jesus, I mean it is classic. It's, hey, I gotta tell you, have you seen the Russian Five? Have you heard about that documentary that's out? No, no, so, I'm gonna so put the, that in my notes right now. Yeah, the Russian Five. So it's pretty much how the Russian Five came to Detroit and stuff like that, but. Um, I think you'd anybody hockey wise would would really like it not only educationally because it's going to happen, but also who lived through our. It's not the film on hockey; it's a film on life, and I think any hockey fan uh, would like it. And uh, so, I, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm that's. I guess I'm saying that from uh, actor to actor because I take it from PG to PG thirteen, and you know that's my that's the movie I'm in. So you can check my shit out. There you go. Definitely, man. Definitely. That's awesome. No, I, that's what I dig about your guys' podcast, man. I've been listening to it for a while here. And uh, the uh, the messages that, you, uh, that you've that got for listeners, man, it, it's cool, man. I'm, I'm really inspired by what you guys are doing and the and the, uh, the messages you've got. It, it's very inspiring. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that, that listen to uh, to your take on life. It, it, it's cool to see, man. It's really cool to see, you know, the, the, the journey that you've taken and and where you've been and what you've done and, 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 you know, relaying this fucking really cool positivity for life that you've got. And, and how, you know, I, I noticed it's a theme in you guys' podcast is you try to, you know, you, you take lessons and when you, when you hear a little, uh, a gem of information, you take the time to stop and, and, you know, relay how important that kind of stuff is. So it's, uh, Hey man, it's awesome. I, I love what you guys are doing. I'm, I'm super, uh, I'm a super fan of it. Ah, uh, bro. You know what? That, that me that, that means the world, bro, just because you you see it the way that I'm trying to present it for everybody else. And it's just like anything. And you you know it doesn't matter how old you are. Life life isn't easy. Life is good, mm-hmm. but you gotta you gotta work at it. And you know, for me, um, and you know, I, when I was in Calgary and, and when your dad was coaching the second year, I, you know, I had some issues and stuff like that, but the one thing that I was respecting, please say hi to him for me, was that it never um, affected the way he treated me as a man. So that was always very important. And then we get to this point where we're all helping each other out. So you keep making me laugh. I'll keep bringing up some of the serious shit and let people know it's not that bad. But uh, hey, like like Darren says, you know, it's self awareness, and obviously you were aware from your hockey career to an acting career, you picked the right choice. Oh fuck yeah, dude! Because you fucking, <laughs> yeah. it's the same. Listen, dude, it's the same shit as I used to tell Robbie Wells back in the day doing Trailer Park Boys. Because it's fucking do you, and that's the same thing. And I think it must be a Canadian thing, and and hopefully it's a North American thing or whatever. But not afraid to get around. A bunch of people, which is what I've sort of turned grind time is to like, for lack of a better word, is my personal letter, Kenny. So it's mm-hmm. it's with the people that you want to do it with, and you have fun and do it the way. So uh, yeah, well, Keith, Keith always says, "Good times are great friends." You know, that's well, that, that's what you that's what you want. That's what we've got, man. Like, it doesn't feel like work. It's the coolest job where you you know we we fly out there and we call it summer camp. Like we're going to summer camp because. You know, the first two seasons we all stayed in the uh, the same shitty little travel lodge out Absolutely. in Sudbury, and man, it's just like you're with the boys, you're with people you like hanging out with. You got a similar sense of humor, and it's 
to, to, to get paid for it too. It's like anyone who's had the opportunity. To, I don't know. Coach, coach will say you got it figured out. You, you figure that out. That's a pretty for, – for a guy, what would you – I'm going to bring in uh, Mike Vellucci, the coach here, uh, Dylan, because, you know, what he really probably says is that this is a, like a really smart kid to realize because how many kids don't really realize to, to take a shot of, of – you've, you've coached guys like yeah, that. Yeah, no, 100%. This is, the, this is the thing about coaching is we, we all – everybody wants to talk about the guys that made the NHL. It's the guys that have gone on and done other things with their careers and figured out doctors, actors, lawyers, whatever it is, you know, firemen. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of guys don't figure it out at, at a certain time, and it's uh, it's awesome to see you that you figured it out, and obviously it's a great show, and uh, – I look forward to yeah. watching the series. I'm excited that I got six full seasons I can watch right in a, right in a row. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, man, it's a it's a pretty binge worthy show. Well, actually, I I can't remember what exact episode it was of Grind Time, but the last one I was listening to there, Darren, you were talking about the amount of guys in um, in in bands that have athletic backgrounds, and uh, I, I was I was listening to that today, and I was just thinking that that's so cool because. You know, the people that I know that have had a lot of success, um, you know, quickly in, in acting, they've just applied the things that they learned playing hockey to, you know, acting or music, whatever it is. You, you apply that work ethic and you recognize, like, the group of people you're with is so important. I mean, we've all seen those teams with just skill on paper out the friggin' wazoo, but they can't win games. And then you see teams like, you know, grinder teams that just click in the room and they have success. And I think that's something that, you know, athletes especially understand that it's not just your your stats on paper. It's the way you gel in the room and, and the environment that the guys create and, and their attitude to the to the job or the task at hand. It's like it's easier to block a shot knowing that like the guy the guy, you know, in front of the net, like you care about him, you know, you you're you're a lot more willing to go into the corner for someone if you give a shit about them than if they're a, a cancer, right? And I think that same same element exists in our show and in your guys' podcast. It's like when you actually like the people, it's a lot easier to go bleed for them, you know? Right, ain't that the truth? And then that's you know the one thing I got out of <clears throat> out of today with the conversation. It's it's the chase the management, not the talent, but also too it shows you. I'm sitting here with Mike, who's nodding his head because that's what it takes. I know to be a champion, to be a winner. We got to have all the guys to buy in. You're doing the same thing. I think people that are fans of this show should be bigger fans to know that you're all just a bunch of freaking douchers, just fucking doing your thing, <laughs> right? The way that it's supposed to be, and the yeah. fact that you guys really like each other, and right. Which is why it's successful and, and why it works. And what I'm most impressed with him is what he said. He, you know, he, he put the time in nine, ten hours of grinding it out, of of learning his script and and understanding. Not a normal person that didn't go through a sport or you know playing sports. It, you know, they think three hours is a long day. You know, he put nine, ten hours in there early on. That's that's very impressive. That's putting the time in and making a making a difference. Hard work, hard work, yeah. dude. Figure out self awareness. Figure out what you want to do and what it takes to get what it's going to take to get there. And bottom line is, put your gloves and your boots on because it's going to take some some sweat. But yeah, nothing more accomplishing, right? You just said it yourself. All those nine hour memorizing, sitting around. Doing that, and you know, now you get to go to summer camp. 
<laughs> yeah, man. Summer camp and, and it pays the rent too. It's a win win situation. Any other any other things, any other projects or any anything else you want to plug or we can Dude, I, I got a crazy a crazy uh body work. So like as as much fun as, as Larry Kenny is, I also have a Disney musical coming out in uh in August. So that's called Descendants Three. And completely different um, content. I play the son of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. And uh, that actually was another project that I got because of my athletic background. I I did the audition, like a really goofy kind of, it's a Disney character, right? But there was a lot of dancing in it. And I told the director right right at the audition, I'm like, hey, man, I don't know how to dance. Like, I can act, but I've never danced before. And he goes, well, I, I've researched you. I've seen your demo. I know you played hockey. I know you're an athlete. You can learn. You got you got a two-month, like, basically dance camp to figure it out. He goes, if you can get over your ego and, like, get into the actual act of dancing, you'll learn it quickly because you're an athlete. And uh, and he was he was right. You know, we did two months of, of intensive training. And, you know, it always goes back to that same sort of, ideology it's like are you going to put the work in or not and it really comes down to that simple sort of equation and uh i i did i i worked my bag off and got extra i i, I, I enrolled in dance classes everything yeah, comes back, back to the, the bag skate bro we were talking about <laughs> yeah. that before yeah so I, I got that role and um yeah august uh i think it's august 2nd descendants 3 is coming out on disney so you can uh Confuse your children. Switch between Letterkenny and Disney. <laughs> That'll be awesome. I see that you play Gil, but hey, that's the thing too. Is uh, two questions. But now you got now you got this dance that you spent two months on that you got in your back pocket in your repertoire. But how how does it feel coming from the hockey world when a uh, when a movie guy? I know that he's in charge of your career because he can hire you or not. But he says if you can let your ego go because that you know. As a hockey guy, when somebody, you know, says you're either egotistical or whatever, you're usually like, no, dude, that's not me. But how does that have to hit you? Because coming from a different world, you know, the lingo's got to be, like, you take a different person. You grew up in a hockey family, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I think that for 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 that instance, it was, I mean... musical theater if you've never done it it's an awkward world to get into and and you don't want to there's this weird feeling of i don't want to look stupid and i think that's what he was referring to he's like if you're willing to look dumb for the first bit because you're not going to be good out of the gate like why would you you've never done it before but if you can you know accept the fact that when you first start you're not going to be a professional dancer like the other kids on the show but if you pay attention you can get there you just have to get over the fact that you're not going to be good right away and that was something that you know like you said coming from a hockey family like i i was like i knew how to skate when i was two i was a pretty decent player up until i had my my goalless season but i I was always (laughs) athletic and i liked being good at things right away and i think that was his his headspace he goes look you're not gonna get this off the bat it's gonna take you two months of hard work you'll get there but if you can accept the fact that it's not gonna be easy out of the gate then you'll then you'll get there and i think that's you know, that lesson has definitely given me more confidence in doing things that I'm not necessarily comfortable in doing. You know, like playing rally, I'm comfortable doing that. It's a fun guy. I know that guy. I've, I've been around those guys for so long. Playing a, a fictional Disney character who sings and dances, that was a bit of a, 
I was in left field, but I, I did it, and it, and you know it happened because of that that mentality that we're talking about. You know, it's just so, check ego at the gate and go to work. So, could you see the producers in Disney going? Well, I think this kid's is, this kid's coachable, <laughs> <laughs> highly coachable. Yeah, Dylan, highly coachable. Yeah. If you have a highly coachable in the back of your hockey card, you can never go wrong in life. He there also, you go, man. Hey, Marty. You know, with us being a Detroit out of Detroit show, uh, or uh, Marty, um, I seen you played Marty Howe in the the TV movie. Uh, yeah, Mr. Hockey. Yeah. Did you yeah, learn any? Cool. Did, did you learn anything about that family or the the hockey world that you didn't know beforehand? I did. Uh, there's a scene in that movie where it's actually not my character who has it happen to him, but uh, Mark, where Gordy walks by. I'm sorry, Mark walk, walks by Gordy's room on the road and he's signing autographs. He's got a big stack of autographs. And he gives him this little life lesson. He goes, you know, without without the fans, we don't get to do what we do for a living. So you got you to gotta make time for the fans. You got to sign autographs and shake hands. And there's no room for, for ego when it comes to dealing with the people who, you know, make this, make this job possible. And that, for me, was a really cool moment. It just... It's not that I didn't appreciate fans before that, but it just it brought a new level of of how important they are because without listeners, without viewers, without fans in the seat buying tickets, you're playing on a pond. You know, there's there's no there's no game, there's no TV shows without people watching the stuff. So it, it's changed the way that that particular story changed the way I I look at fans and and uh, you know interviews and doing that kind of stuff because you you meet or you hear about these douchebags who think they're bigger than that part of it you know who don't want to sign autographs who don't want to shake hands and don't want to take pictures it's like how out of touch can you be don't you get it without those people you're nothing you don't have this job so that was a that was a cool thing that gordy you know was known for was how genuinely interested how much time he took for for the fans so that was a, a really cool lesson that i took from him and then my dad actually hooked it up. I, you know, I got lucky with with him and, and the hockey connections he has. I was able to to talk to Marty before because you know playing a real life person is a whole nother ball game. You gotta you gotta honor their story, knowing that they're gonna they're gonna watch you. And like I, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like watching someone pretend to be me. So I got to talk to him on the phone, and he just said, you know, I used to whistle during warm-up thinking about going fishing after the game, and I still played well because I was just that kind of guy. I was laid back and relaxed. He goes, if you have fun on set, you'll do my story justice. So I've kind of kept that mentality for the majority of the projects I've done. It's like, this isn't, this isn't brain surgery. We're not saving the world. Like we're doing this for entertainment. And, uh, you know, you should, you should be having fun, even if it's hard work, even when you're, you know, grinding it out as it were, it should be because you enjoy it. I had a question. I had a question for you. What's the difference, like, uh, as far as getting up for an audition or for, you know, a big hockey game? I mean, obviously, a guy like myself, a coach, I'd have a hard time auditioning. I'd be afraid of going in there and, you know, whatever, just winging it, kind of a thing. So, what's the difference? uh, That feeling in your guts before you go in, where you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna shit or friggin' black out. That's that feeling still happens right in your guts that you get before you step on the I don't know if everyone gets it but I used to get it and I loved it that that feeling of being alive it's I, like I before get you get in a fight before you get yeah, in a exactly. fight you have that you have that it's that <clears throat> nervous sort of it and it's not like the fear but it's just that 
sets over you like, oh, I got to do this. I got, or here this we go. This is happening. Yeah, this is real life. Like the, your, your hearing goes up, your vision almost gets like more acute, like your senses go on high alert. That feeling, I think you kind of get addicted to, and it's a scary part of it. But, um, you know, same with hockey, like it's much less, that feeling is good when you're prepared, when you know Absolutely. what you're doing. But that feeling is goddamn terrible when you know you haven't prepared. If you go into an audition and you haven't read the sides, you have, or you haven't read the lines, you haven't read the script, you haven't researched the director, it, it's the same thing as going into a game and your your head's not in it like that. You don't know I what think the is the parallel. Is. You, don't you know could t- well, here's is. the parallel, and you could tell the captain since he's such a uh, huge hockey fight. That's like me fighting a guy my size. And then having to fight George LaRock or, you know, uh, Derek Bougard or George Peros or one of those Neanderthals. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter how prepared you are. It's like, uh, I like the, I, I like guys my size. Anytime guys are my size, no matter how tough yep. they were, you at least like didn't have to worry about getting killed. It's like going into a fight and not knowing he's a lefty. That's, that's not smart. <laughs> Well, I was yeah. a lefty, so I mean, I, know, I wasn't yeah. wait, I wasn't waiting around. But yeah. that's you know that me being a lefty had so many guys would know, and then they couldn't adjust because yeah, exactly. guys couldn't fight that way. But no, dude, that that's yeah. that's awesome, and and that's the things that you know to, to hear. And obviously, you could tell um, the way that you're brought up. But everything, you know, all the all the best success. You're now a friend of the show, friend of mine personally. Uh, my question: Do you golf? I do, yeah. Oh, right yeah, on. Yeah. Now, I was just, I was, uh, I just got a little excited here because it just came <laughs> over me and I just realized that the uh, the Open, the British Open was on at like one thirty our time this morning. So, are, are you out west right now? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver. Okay, so you, yeah, so that'll be a little bit earlier. So, do you have, uh, do you have any uh, pick for the, for the British Open? Gonna be- oh, buddy, I'm in over. I'm in over my skis when it comes to pro golf, and I, I'm talking golf and like uh, beers in a beers in a golf <laughs> cart out with the boys hitting the links. I, I'd have to open up my Google to give you. I a, don't need uh, you. To, I don't need you to do boy. that. All you have to say is Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's Tiger, it. Exactly. I like it, but no, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, you got to play golf. If you're a hockey player. That's just. Uh, that's just. Yeah, no, I, I learned that lesson early on. I was sick and tired of. Uh, just being the cart driver, so uh, I learned how to learn how to. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you shoot, dude. Just play fast. Just play quick. <laughs> yeah, and, I try to tell Perry and, that all the time, dude. That you're not. It's going where it wants, anyways. Just fucking hit the ball for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, man. Thank just you. move the game along. God damn, you guys got to do a fucking. Uh, there's a there's an idea. Do a fucking. Uh, Letter Kenny Shamrock's golf tournament. That'd be a fucking. Yeah. Beauty. That'd be a beauty. Yeah. You bet. You bet. We got. We got. We got one episode uh, there. I think you dig it. The uh, the Canadian geese take over a golf course and they're shitting all over the place. <laughs> oh, I love it, dude. I I say that hey, when I'm over here. Listen, whenever there's Canadian geese, you ask Perry on the thing. I'll be like, look it. I brought my spectators, and you know, my, well, of course, my guys are getting shit facing it and shitting everywhere. But I'm gonna go home and check that one out. You, you know, yeah, you, bet. you know, Dylan, uh, and I'm, I'm in my mid fifties and there's a whole group of us, sure. you know, former hockey players, you know, playing and he just everybody can relate. Former hockey he's a fucking I referee. Hockey. Yeah, I just <laughs> he's a referee, but, but, but you know what? I know all the guys my age can relate to this because it's locker room. 
You're you're taking mm-hmm. you're taking the locker room and you're doing it outside and it's all together and that's why the guys my age can sit and relate and watch us. So I mean, it's not just a generation. You got multiple generations that that enjoy this show that that can oh, relate man, that's to awesome, it. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that, man. That's a fantastic compliment to get. It is wild the range of people that I've got reach out saying, "Hey, Letter Kenny is is a is an awesome show." We actually. Um, a couple of years back, Kiso's brother is in the Canadian military, and they do a lot of joint ops with the U.S. military. So, uh, I guess the Canadian government does like sort of care package kind of deals, like back and forth between the two the two armies. And there was one year where um, a bunch of care packages were sent to the U.S. guys uh, overseas, and they contained season one and two of Letterkenny. And uh, that was wild, man! Just the amount of uh, of uh, of guys in the army who reached out and were like, you, you boys fucking hit the nail on the head. Fucking like, this beauties, is our right? Jam. So it, it's cool, man. It's cool. It's very, uh, it's awesome to see the amount of people who dig the show. Well, so, how about, uh, any, any, um, things to look forward to in the new season? Like, is there any, <sighs> like for, uh, for the people that, that are big fans and waiting, you guys, is there any like little curve balls or any, things that you've seen coming up that probably every 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 season that i read just has me literally laughing out loud which is not a figure of speech it is i'm sitting by myself giggling like an idiot well my fiance is like what the hell are you doing what the fuck's so funny over there but uh i do i can't even you know what's funny because we shoot six episodes at a time so we'll shoot six in august and then we'll take two months off and go shoot another six in november and then they'll take the whole year to edit those two blocks they're called into into uh, like a two separate seasons. So like, for instance, um, on the 11th of October, they're releasing season seven. And we shot that last August. And then we went back and shot another chunk of season seven in November. And now this last chunk of episodes I read, we're shooting in August. So I'm... I'm a little spun around when it comes to the storylines because that's the that's the gap of time that that happens. But um, the hockey boys are getting better. We're improving. We're going up higher leagues and we're getting more opportunities <laughs> and more girls. So that's fun for us. And uh, Wayne uh, Wayne continues to hold his title of toughest guy in Letterkenny, even though every season there seems to be a contender. So. <laughs> <That's> you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. It, man. That's a, it, it's almost who's going to be the contender this year, right? Because that's yeah. a, who's going to bang the sister and who's going to be the contender. That's a, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it. You know what? It was good. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The fans seem to like it, so hey, we'll keep giving it. Yeah, a, and the fact that it. the fact that the sisters are da- uh, by too is just brilliant. That's <laughs> oh, brilliant. That, is, that just gets like, dude. That's all you had to say is, is that that gets everybody watching. Oh, it's it's so, awesome, it's man. And, awesome. and that's the thing, you know. We there's no one who is safe in terms of you make fun of everyone, and that gives the show like this really cool progressive vibe. I mean, the last two seasons ago, they introduced two gay hockey players. So there's Riley and Jonesy, and there's the two gay versions of Riley and Jonesy, and we're at the gym <laughs> together. And we're talking about smashing butts. I saw. I saw smashing butts. Yeah. I saw that. You, but you, you do that though. Oh. It, it allows you to make fun of everyone. It's Absolutely, fucking awesome, man. Dude. And it's yeah. and it's brilliant because it's so real. And and what I love is at the end of the best part about at the end is everybody seems to then they're friends. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, everybody works it out where it's Canadian, and they say, all right, we've got to figure it That's the beauty of it all. At the end of the day, it's just yeah. picking up a new character. That's yeah, true. well, it's it's a, it's the tap on the helmet after a good kill, you know. It's like that's there's it. that respect <laughs> amongst warriors, right? Like it, it exists in the game, it exists in in the show, so it's awesome that way. Well, I love it, man. Uh, all right, Dill, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, we'll look for the Descendants three, where uh, for your dancing prowess in the Disney movie <laughs> uh, coming Perfect. out in August, and uh, we'll. Uh, We'll splurge on all the. Uh, I'll be YouTube and Leonard. I might actually start watching season one. Take it in order, but I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta pump it here. Hulu, uh, October fourteenth, season seven. Uh, Crave TV, October eleventh, season seven. So we got more Letter Kenny coming down the pipe for the boys. I love it. I and I will keep pumping that out uh, on DarrenMcCarty.com and uh, let them know where they can. Uh, Check out you, uh, you brilliant, you beautiful human beings. That's all you are, beautiful human Coming beings. Coming down to Windsor. Yeah, get down to Windsor, dude. Yeah. And, and you got carte blanche. I got you taken care of over here in my city. I don't know if you know, but the, uh, the, the D in Detroit's for Darren. So. <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect. Right. Well, I'll take you up on that. I'll you, take you up on that. You now. have to I'll do it in person. One. Tell the fellas thanks. Tell them to keep grinding. Tell Jonesy to keep being Jonesy. And uh, we will catch you down the road. Tell your dad I said hi, please. Will do. Boys. Thanks so much for the time. That was a lot of fun. We'll talk to you guys soon. You got it, Dylan. That's Dylan Playfair. Riley on the hit series Letter Kenny. And, guys, that interview, because he's out in BC, that was brought to you by our friends at Herbal Active. Herbal Active. Listen to me. We've always said this. And why do I say because of BC? Perry, the THC-free CBD, right? Which I will always tell you that, well, what's the difference? Well, the 0.3% in some of the CBD, the THC, is like having your name on the door, entering the club. Now, the THC-free as in herbalactive.com, that's U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com, no E, right? It's absolutely THC-free, which means... It's like waiting in line for the club. It'll work. It works good. They have bombs, tinctures, capsules. Go online. Use DMAC25 in the promo code for 25% off. Thanks to Rich and everybody at Herbal Active for your support. Guys, it works. Uh, it's something to ships across the country. Use DMAC25 promo code. Uh, check it out. Well, I'm going to uh, start using the bombs. You have to start using yeah. the bombs. I got everybody started on. the, And it's just... It's one of those things that uh, whether this is I, I found that Herbal Active um, and a lot of the a lot of different people are using this, but it's it can be shipped across the country. It's got no THC in it. It's a great place to start your CBD journey. We can always talk about it until then, but if you're looking for somewhere to go, go to Herbal Active. Use the use the DMAC twenty five code um, because you're not going to get a better better deal or a better product for what you're looking for so thanks to rich and everybody there um how awesome that was, was that? great that oh was my god really cool. <laughs> it, but, but isn't it, it it's cool but it's awesome for i love hearing it that makes me want to be a fan of the show even more the fact that 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 he tells me it's just like them doing that and it, and when you see the interactions in different like we we played that the clip scenes. there with the chirping um 
you know, it, it's the way it is in any time of life. It's just hockey's the subject matter, I guess. Well, what was cool about those clips was it didn't look like he was acting. It looked like a reality show. That's what I, I was going right. to tell him that, but I didn't want to be <laughs> one of those guys, you know, fumbling all over him. But I was going to say, be honest with you, it didn't look like acting to me. You practiced eight, nine hours yeah, to remember that. But then, but but then the you realize why it is. You know, yeah. but why it is because they live it and it'd yeah. be just like throwing a camera in here and me just beating on perry when the camera when the radio's up because it doesn't play well on the radio your mom ellen schaefer might get mad at me yeah um and your wife uh, my wife would get mad yeah yes. but she's sleeping so maybe <laughs> but um, that's why it, it, it didn't look like acting to me and that's why it was so cool and so funny you know and uh Credit to him for working that hard. I mean, he said, talking about nine, ten hours sitting there reading scripts. That's that's pretty tough. I talk about attention span. I'm only keeping video five minutes. Yeah, you two are the same. You two are the same too, as far as attention span. So that's why yeah. do you get like like I can't like you got to get somebody to chop that stuff up and then I'll be like out out out. Show that's exactly that's what this. a head coach does. I you have video coach now and he cuts it all down. So <clears throat> as a coach, one, some of the guys want to watch the whole game. I don't watch the whole game. I break it down, so I just watch all neutral zone, for and against. Then I watch all D zone. Then I watch the four check, and then I'll do the power. I want to watch 20, 30 clips or whatever it is in a row, and I go, yes, yes, no, and then the rest are gone. Take that out. It got, that, that's a great uh, tip out there uh, for young coaches, no matter what, what you're coaching always to get better, is how you, how you watch the game. Now, have you always watched the game that way, or was there a point where you realized that you – could be a better coach, I guess, when you broke it down that way. Once I got a video coach, <laughs> they could cut off right. the Right, wait, wait, and when was that? <laughs> a long time ago, right. or so, not for a long, right. you know, for a long so, time. So before that, you had a guy in the stands, or no, like, what would you that do? that was it. I watched the whole game, and uh, you know, and, and when you're talking about attention span, I'd see one thing, and I got to go to the next, and I go to the next, and I was all, you know, so now it's just, you know, uh, putting compartments, and I'd watch the little things, but yeah, it was different. I mean, I, I broke in coaching in Tier 2, and it's a story about coaching. I was the only coach. I won the national championship my rookie year. I was the only coach on the bench. I looked at the trainer, stick boy. I said, should I call timeout? <laughs> we were up a goal in the national championship with like 30 seconds left. He's like, yeah, I think you should. I'm like, all right, timeout. That was it. I was changing the D, what the What a forwards. great stick boy. Yeah, I know. It was, uh, Rick Zuber, the guy. Zooms! Zooms. Oh. Zooms. Yeah, Zooms. I started Zooms. That's Zooby yeah, right there. Zooms. I started Zooms career you did. for him. Yeah, oh. back then. That's the funny thing about Zooms and Rick Zuber, who works in the locker room and stuff, is uh, when as long as he'd be around, I'd be like, Zooms, Zooms. He'd be like, yeah, Mac. And I'd be like, like yeah. Every time I see him, so between him and I, we flip each other off. So it's funny. So That's when I went funny, to, well, yeah. So when I went to, now I go to uh, Wilkes-Barre and I go, and they say, yeah, you got two coaches. Never had two coaches in my life. You got a video coach. You got a goalie coach. You got development guys. You got a chef. So it's a lot. You got a chef. So it's, <laughs> it's gotten a lot easier from running the bench by myself with Zub, by the way. But uh, yeah. yeah, but no kidding. This that is funny. It's what a small world. It is a small world. What a small world. But so you're a big golfer. We've all enjoyed golf. So um, I brought this up to the fellas, and I didn't bring it up to be a dick or to be jealous, but sometimes, you know, when you get a call from a guy like Alice Cooper, yeah, the Coop, Detroit's own, because uh, he's, if you don't know, Hailstorm and Alice Cooper playing DT on Saturday. But, you know, it is. I'm going to just tell the grind time with Derek McCarty listeners that not only will I be out golfing with Alice Cooper that morning, but it is true, he golfs everywhere. We learned that last week with our friend Damon Johnson, who played with Alice and his band and said that they take the clubs on the road, and sure as heck, they're playing here. So I'm playing with Alice Cooper on Saturday, which got me to 
ask this question, right? I was talk, talking to Bam Bam earlier, and I said, what's a realistic bucket list person, you know, to think about? And I mean, because I know that, dude, Tom Izzo and Tiger and Michael Jordan, I mean, I probably could work on Izzo for him, but, you know, like, it's sort of unrealistic. But when he sent his list back, he has one of the people that I think is, is on my bucket list, and I learned Mike it was on yours also, too, trying to make it happen, but Mark, Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark. Um, he play, he does, shoots a lot of films here, does a lot of movies, so I'm sh- sending it out there, grind time with Darren McCarty, that when Mark Wahlberg's in town and he wants to golf, and I know he golfs first crack of dawn, and I don't drink anymore, I'm there. We're good. I'm, I, I love like the it. first crack of dawn, so I'm throwing it out there that Bam Bam and... And if Mike, you're in town. If it's not, if it's not golf, but Perry, Perry doesn't do good. He doesn't like. I try to get him out there to sort of half caddy and be involved, and you know he's he, he doesn't like it. He oh, I did. Oh, I did fine when the Canadian PGA Pro Am. Yeah, but what was different? You know, I, well, well you're hanging with Grayson that time. Grayson Gr- Six, you see my boy. Mike, this hey, kid is great. So Grayson Six. So again, that's my shout out. If you're going to follow the McKenzie Tour guy, Grayson finished eighth in Toronto. Yeah. This week, so um, great guy. Just turned yeah. 24 years old. Three weeks before, he shot a, a final round 59 in uh, Kelowna. Wow. And yeah. still lost by two. Oh, jeez. Yeah, but, but he's, well, this kid was great, that's, Mac. That's I mean, playing your ball. It, this kid sure. knows. Uh, so, Perry, do you have a realistic bucket list other than playing with me? Um, that is, you know, that, that lightens your, lights your light. No, I haven't. You don't have anybody that you'd want, like anybody really. You know what? I've, I've already, had, I already did it. I already did it. Maybe me taking it to Western. No, <laughs> finally once. I already did it. I played with. Uh, <laughs> I played with my grandfather, my dad, and my son. So we had the four generations, and oh, Mike there was there too. Remember that one? We played at Tanglewood yeah. on the Fourth of July back. Oh, about perfect. Fifteen, twenty yeah. years ago. Yeah. It was great. I played with four generations. So that's awesome. You don't have a clubhouse. No, we don't. You don't need one. <laughs> See, Marty Reedy's. Uh, Marty yeah. Reedy's. I played with Marty this morning. I played Western really? this morning. Yeah, I'm playing oh, every day I can for sure. Nice. That's yeah, I beat great Marty shot. for some money today, so of he's, he's a little bitter, obviously. That's all right. He'll get, hey, did you know what? Go. He'll whatever. get it back. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'll try. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't have a clubhouse. You don't need one. The course is in great shape. Yeah. That's just such a great track, and I love the fact that Western, which is uh, farm, where is Redford. That? Redford. Um, that's the track that all the old guys used to come and play. Like, oh, yeah. they, they didn't come in, they'd have for any tournament, and they'd all go to Western. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, and Donald Ross, it's hard. People don't realize it's hard. I'm a, I'm a six index, and you know, I, could, I travel well. I can tell you that. You go to different courses. It's, oh, yeah. It's a lot easier where they're wide open. All those trees there, it's tough. The greens are, are slick. So I played Dearborn great. the other day, too, and, and another good track. Just Love Dearborn. I, haven't pl- I played it last year, but it was the first time in 20 years. I grew up playing with Jimmy Rutherford. He, he was a member there. Yeah. And when we were in Detroit, when he was working here, we played there a lot. It was That's a great, awesome. great track. I love that. Uh, what, do you, uh, what do you got? You driving? Yeah, yeah, I got. A lot, what do you got? I got a lot going on. You do. Yeah, hey, yeah. Ladies, driving. I got a bachelorette party. Ladies Friday and gentlemen, night. this is the co-host Perry Vellucci. <laughs> One minute update for the weekend. What do you got, Perry? Bachelorette party Friday. Boom. Uh, golf Friday with a bunch of high school people because we got our high school reunion. Sarah, you're right? golfing Friday. Yeah. Where? Farmington Hills. All right. Yeah, just just a high, get a group of high school class people. of fifty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Add twenty more years. 79, 79. 79? I knew you'd go the other way. <laughs> 40th. Yeah, 40th reunion. So we wow. got that Saturday night. So what are the plans for the rest of the summer? Like you said, uh, 
you so you report to training camp? Is that the next thing? Yeah, Do you September. guys have mini camps? No, or? Uh, well, they already had development camp. Right. But uh, cool thing, uh, uh, Sullivan, he called and uh, talked to him, and he brings all the coaches in for a three-day golf and coaches, we meet for three, four hours in the morning, play golf, have a few beers, tell stories, do it for three days. So everybody That's can get awesome. on the same. So he brings all uh, the East Coast League coach, all my coaches, and then all his coaches. So. Who, is the, who are the co- Who's coaching with you this year? Uh, J.D. Forrest, yep. uh, defenseman that played at the U.S. program here uh, for a while, and Jared Scaldi. So two guys. You got juice? Yeah. Oh, did you he got the juice? Yeah. I yeah, played in Belleville with him. Yeah, yeah. There's another Belleville yeah. boss. Oh, so you better right. yeah. tell the juice I said hi. I yeah, will, for sure. Love, yeah. uh, love Scalds. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's culture. So yeah. it's just like, you, you, and, and, and when you, you know, I'm not into downplaying, but I want people to realize is that because the perception is not everything, even if you're at a professional level, organizations are not all run the same, right? They're not all run differently. It's just like, it's, if you look at them just because they're an NHL team that, um, you know, the Detroit Red Wings, who are fighting right now to get the culture back, which I think that they have having 19 in place because, you know, Drapes just got promoted to director of amateur scouting. And, you know, it's the winners are in place, right? Yeah. Like what, what you bet want to be with winners. That's what it's I said the culture, that's, right? It's you, the culture. You're that's going into a culture, yes. bringing the yeah. winner with the winners into yes. guys that, you know, and it's just, you have that thing. Kenny Holland's trying to do that with Edmonton in yeah. a whole different situation, which is, perfect for him because it's like scotty coming back here yeah. with all the stuff he's done because i always say kenny holland's one of the best greatest red wings ever for what he's done and put into place now it's sort of our guys you know and it works you look around the league you look st louis yeah finally you know and and what did it come down to and i was trying to get out i will get otter in and Steve, yeah, be awesome. you know, because yeah. you, you guys are related and just the whole story. Yeah, but what a great story that is, dude. And when he tells me, he says the difference is, and you, you, you know, it is that when him and Baruby came and they made the coaching change, they walked in and guys were like, I want to, it goes back to, I want to go through the wall for that guy. Well, it's right because they come in and goes, I want to play here and I should be playing this and I should be playing that. And you get Chief and, and Otter come in there and go, listen, and, and take it as old school as they could with the talent. Yeah. Right. Explain the fact that there's a difference when you go in there and you see what's it like going into a room and you see that, oh, okay, the pieces are here. I just got to rearrange them and put them together as opposed to. I got one line. <laughs> I got one yeah. line. I got, I got, I got a couple of pieces. I got a, 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 a defenseman shape. and a half and no goalie. So, so. How, how is that for you as a coach? Well, it's great. I mean, I've seen a lot of goalies make uh, coaches' careers, you know, and I was lucky enough to have some good ones. But well, this year, this about, year, speak about that this year because if you want to know, usually, as you see in the in the NHL in the finals, uh, like even a young guy like uh, Jordan Bennington, usually one goalie gets hot or or carries a team through a championship. You had two goalies had two, and yeah. you used two goalies. I used them and sometimes you make the right choice and sometimes you don't. But, but this ha- year it was really easy because I had a young guy in the Delkovich who was the goalie of the year. He plays the puck great. He's awesome. And I traded for uh, uh, Dustin Tokarski. He's won a yeah. Memorial Cup. He's won the AHL before already. And I think he won a World Juniors also. So we got him in for his leadership because uh, um wanted to bring it some more. I had a young team. So Tick came in and he... uh he went 12 and 0 for me. So we're playing um, 
in the the semifinals we're playing Toronto. It's two uh, two. We're in Toronto and we're going for game five. And I made a choice early on to play Tick and the back to backs. Play the young kid and then play Tick. And everybody's like, "You're crazy! It's the biggest game. Game five. You go up three two. You go down three two. He put. They said forty five shots. We win the game three one. Forty five to twenty. He was unbelievable. He was, ended up being twelve and zero. And then we did it twice in the finals too. So. It's hard, though, you know. I, I Mav story, he picked a backup to play instead of Craig Billington in the finals against Guelph. We lose the game in overtime. We would have won the uh, went to the Memorial Cup. So it's not easy. It's not, Picking it, goalies is not easy. I don't care who you are. It's uh, you got to feel good about it, but it's not. It's not fun to do. No, and 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 the, the one other thing. Um, how many shorties did you guys have? In the we playoffs? had six. Six? No, no, six against Toronto. Right. You're right. Dude, every yeah. time we'd be watching the game, it'd be like another shorty or uh, this. Well, that was that. our. That's what I loved most. They they had uh, they were coming into the playoffs against us. They were at over forty percent in the on their power play. So uh, they didn't change their breakout once. We knew exactly what they were doing. We just kept doing it, doing pressure, pressure, pressure. We got six shorties. Changed the game. Changed the whole the whole thing. And they had. I think it was 45 to 18 or something. They had more power plays than us. So that's sometimes, awesome. Sometimes hey. it's not fun when you're on that end, but when you score six shorty and they only had four uh, power play goals the whole series. Well, we, we, had, we had Doug Brown, uh, the one night call in, and, and you guys were playing, starting uh, Chicago. Uh, and, and, and Brownie's talking about the shorties, and all of a sudden I get a text about halfway through. He goes, Patrick, another shorty. Yeah, you know, oh, just, yeah. it just, was great. Yeah, Patrick, I mean, what a great kid he was. He was a oh, what a leader, ultimate, huh? Ultimate, ultimate captain. Uh, just, a, just a great dude. Great, great player. Deserved his contract that he got. He got a one way deal in Vegas. What so, did he? Yeah, yeah. How many years? Yeah, two years. So making big money, he deserves it. He's he's the ultimate captain. That's awesome. Uh, never worried. You know what he played? He didn't play any regular season games, and he played ten playoff games for uh, the Canes this year. Yeah. So he was. He's the ultimate. Will he get a shot? Do you think? Will he get? Yeah. Get well, a chance? One, one way doesn't one matter. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Get I mean, the money. Uh, yeah. gonna, they may send him to the minors, but not for long. Be, he's gonna yeah. get his shot. He deserves it. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know he. Every time I'd, I'd call Brownie in with a couple of the captains, I try to talk to him once a week because if your captains aren't on the page with the coach, you're not winning anything. No, I, no, you're no, not. you got it exactly. So I'd bring him in the, you know, Brownie and a couple of guys. I'd say, okay, these are the three things I thought you guys did great this uh, this week. You know, how about you know next time a little harder on Friday? What do you guys got? Ah, coach, practices are too long. Done. I'll make that change, and then we, they the- walk out. And they'd be like, man, that coach, all right, he gets us. Communication. Communication. Right. That's that's what it is. Yeah, and then you and get them to play hard. Get them to play hard. And then, you know, hey, coach, you know, if we win this weekend, can we have two days off? Done. It's pretty simple. So that's right. wh- that's why your locker room talks Oh, that's why they go crazy. Every so time. when they win, he's like, okay, you got two days or three See days off. See you Tuesday yeah, was yeah. always the thing. See you Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. then, you know, if we played on Saturday, get two days oh. off, they'd go crazy. Oh, dude. They didn't give a shit what I said. As long as I said, see you Tuesday. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I didn't care what Everything else is... Like, see you Tuesday. See you Tuesday. I love it. Uh, uh, I love it. So you'll be around. We'll have to get out and play golf. Yeah, anytime. Um, yeah. Appreciate anytime. you coming in. and uh, love it. Thank best you. of luck, success. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, you seem like you've... I, mean, I know you know what you're doing, but it seems like you got yourself in a spot with the right... It's sort of like the theme, right? Everything around here, you, we talked to Dylan Playfer from Letterkenny. You know, they're a huge team. We go that, you know, you go over to different places. I see it around. You see it around the league 
the spots yeah. that do have it and don't. Everybody it's, knows. And everybody knows. Everybody knows. Every player knows. Just just follow and, them. And that's the thing. Every every player knows or you know shouldn't know. So yeah. Uh, well, you know. Thank you. Bam Bam, Perry McCool. <coughs> Mike, thank you. Ryan, thanks for listening in. Um, that with Dylan Playfair, thank you. Meltdown, thank you. All our sponsors. Um, got a couple of uh, announcements for, uh, for next week. Uh, for next week, a couple of new sponsors. But uh, guys, you want to get a hold of us? Uh, DMAC at DarrenMcCarty.com. Nick at DarrenMcCarty.com. Perry at DarrenMcCarty.com. Tell everybody DarrenMcCarty.com. That's where it's at. And you no matter what happens, guys, from now until whatever, no matter how many times you fall down, you got to get your ass back up. Until then, that's grind time. We're out.